0: Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus.
1: What is up, WSTers? Welcome to a Monday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Andrew Hustler-Patterson, Michael Remus with you. The vibes are much better today on Monday than they were heading into the weekend. Two massive wins by the Winnipeg Jets in Florida and Tampa over the weekend of well, certainly stabilize the club and the fan base a little bit as the uh, team gets ready to continue this juggernaut roadie tomorrow against the Carolina Hurricanes. But uh, uh, we went into the w- into the weekend saying just find a way to get a result, and they did it on back-to-back nights. Uh, lots of different individuals contributing. We'll get to all of it, and hear some of the uh, – Audio from the Winnipeg Jets coming out of those big, big wins. Um, obviously, we'll spend quite a bit of time talking about the home team and the uh, weekend they just had. Dave Poulin of TSN Hockey is going to join us a little bit later on. And we'll also have Jeff Hamilton on the program. We'll focus on the Jets. But we'll also talk Bomber. Sounds like the official announcement of the 2025 Grey Cup coming to the peg Will be tomorrow, so we'll hit on that with uh, with Jeff as well. Uh, an incredible run for Maddie Dunstone at the Briar. We'll touch on some big news in the National Football League, Canada, the World Baseball Classic, uh, but we will certainly start in on the main course, and that is the Winnipeg Jets and four a four point weekend for the club. Um, after their season sort of looked like it was slipping away. Um, Before we get Remo in here, welcome to everyone watching on YouTube. If you haven't already, make sure you hit that red subscribe button. And if you've only found us on YouTube, the audio podcast of Winnipeg Sports Talk is available each and every day, just in time for your drive home around 3.30 p.m. So make sure to search Winnipeg Sports Talk and subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And for you podcast listeners, great to have you all with us. Uh, Make sure to check out the Winnipeg Sports Talk YouTube page when you have a chance. Hit that red subscribe button and uh, when you're able to, join us live from one to 3 p.m. Central or check the show with video afterwards at your convenience. Uh, Just before we get Remo in here, a huge thanks to the sponsors that make our show happen each and every day. Cool Bet Canada, Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug, Culligan Water, Vita Health Fresh Market, Canadian Club, Wallace & Wallace, Consolidated Supply, F Apparel, Manitoba Battery, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, and uh, of course the uh, Why Not Question of the Day brought to you by our friends at Not Auto Corp at Waverly and McGillivray. Michael Remus, what a difference a
2: couple days and a couple wins makes. How are you? (laughs) Yeah, this is completely different than... Uh, All the emotions we felt on Friday after the loss to Minnesota. um, They were able to carry their strong play into the weekend. I think I joked with you, oh yeah, like the Jets. Just when you think that they're, you know, they may not be in a playoff spot by later in the week. They come out and, you know, do. I don't want to say do the impossible, but I don't think anyone, not many people had them winning both games. And I thought they looked a lot better on Sunday against Tampa Bay than on Saturday. But, I mean, they were... you know they played well enough to win the last uh, the two games last week against uh, San Jose and Minnesota. They didn't win, and then on Sunday, what they give up almost 50 shots and win an overtime against Florida. Hockey's a weird game, Huss, where you, know, you can play do all the right things and you don't win, and then you can have an imperfect game and come with a win. But it was great to see them win, especially on Saturday. Mark Scheifele with the winner,
0: uh, oh. the
2: revenge narrative. I think we weren't wasn't sure if it was still there, but. Uh, definitely applies versus Paul Maurice's Florida Panthers. And again, hanging on on Sunday. And how about Connor Hellbuck going back to back? Someone asked me before the weekend what I thought. I said, I'll go, I'll go Hellbuck in the first one. I wouldn't be shocked if he played both. And they, they needed the win and they used him. And man, was he, was he good, Hus. Because we talked about uh, that squeaker that he let in against Minnesota. And I mean, he was fantastic in both games.
1: Well, I I mean, you know, the the one thing that, I mean, and again, this was, uh, we were trying to spread some positive vibes on uh, Thursday and Friday, as difficult as it was considering the predicament the team was in. Uh, But considering what happened with Hellebuck on on Wednesday night against the Minnesota Wild, the one thing I'm absolutely not surprised in the least is that he came out with a couple of his most important performances of the year. Yesterday, first star, thirty-three saves on thirty-five shots, including one that got past him in the first minute and a half of the game. Um, it was—I uh, mean, there's so much to get to from this. Just quickly back to the the game on Saturday night against uh, against Florida, and we'll hear from Rick Bonus in a minute. Um, listen, I realize that they're—you know, we, we basically—you know discuss every aspect of these games and of the teams and you know sometimes a team will win and you'll be like wow they weren't really that good they gave up too many shots honestly like Bones said however they found a way to do it the first thing this team needed to do was get uh, get rewarded for something and listen that game was not a picasso by any stretch of the imagination and yes the florida panthers had a ton of shots which they've done and lost numerous times this year it's probably an interesting story evaluating the Panthers as much as it was the Jets on that night but there was a few things that happened that you know were were, were massive and things that we'd been talking about the power play goes two for three Nikolai Ehlers scores a goal and was very very impactful in a number of other aspects of the game uh, including generating, um, generating scoring chances and Vladimir Metznikov with with, um, you know, with the, the goals that he scored was huge. Nino Niederreiter keeps going. And Mark Shifley got one early and got one in OT to win. And, um, you know, all those things needed to happen for the Jets to grind out those two points. And you mentioned the overtime winner. The angle that Shifley scored on was absolutely brilliant. But I I do want to give credit to the Jets in OT that in the last minute and a half or so, it was pretty clear that the Florida Panthers players that were on the ice had been on for a long time. And if you notice that Shifley and Connor, um, and I can't remember who else was on with them, maybe Pionk at that time. It was Pionk, and then he switched to uh, Schmidt. To, okay, that's right. They had control in the zone and continued to skate around and just work those guys down and work the clock down um, potentially to get it closer to a shootout, but I thought that the way that they handled the overtime and maintained puck possession and was able to, you know, change those two players before Kyle Connor took it to the net and got it to the net where Mark Scheifele was for the rebound was a very, very uh, excellent way to uh, to play, uh, because I think you knew if you got to overtime, you still felt good that you had a better chance of winning than losing with Connor Halabak in the net. Um, but they—they they t- you know how you tenderize a piece of meat? They tenderized the guys that were on the ice there for Florida out there for so long before the puck went in the net. The bottom line is that was a win that it, it, in a lot of ways, you know, this weekend overall, maybe it's overstating it to say save the season. But as we talk with Ken on, you know, heading into the weekend, this in a lot of ways, could be a season-defining road trip. And um, sure, over the past month plus, and even more than that, the Jets had not been up to the level that they played earlier on. Um, but with everything on the line right now, and their playoff spot in jeopardy, in jeopardy um, they rose up, a number of guys did things that weren't happening before, it helped them win the game on Saturday. And I think the confidence from that win against the Panthers... Really helped them yesterday with one of their best road games they played in a long, long time. Led, of course, by Connor Hellebuck, who uh,
2: looked to be back to his Vesna level um, level of play. Yeah, it wasn't the prettiest hustler, but they were able to come out with two points on Saturday. And I agree with you. I loved the puck movement on that overtime goal, um, the shifting and all the passing. I think everyone touched the puck and they were able to keep it in. And uh, Connor found Schaefly. I mean, a lot to take away from the weekend. You know, Connor Halbuck's play stands out, but he, you know, I think the two guys making an impact every game have been Nemesnikov and Niederreiter. Niederreiter on a six-game point streak. Uh, Nemesnikov, he didn't get on the score sheet yesterday, but he had two. Uh, he, sorry, three points on Saturday: two goals and an assist. Um, you know, these moves that Shvedov made at the deadline, we got to praise him. I mean, you found the right guys who've been the right fit. rider, providing exactly what they needed. Saw that goal on um, yesterday on the power play in front of the net, where they needed help. Big body, he can shoot. And Domesticos found some chemistry with Ealers on Saturday. He's versatile, you know, strong middle six, uh, middle six forward. And you know, maybe I was a bit underwhelmed. Um, you know, not exactly a huge name, but I mean, he's definitely, definitely uh, both of them. Huge impact and also the you know, the team, the way they played um without Josh Morrissey, who was hurt in Saturday, didn't play Sunday, and Adam Lowry hurt Saturday. They said he was gonna be doubtful for Sunday and suited up. um I don't know, I guess the team like they don't need Josh Morrissey now, right? Hus? Uh team
1: plays better, team yeah, plays better, team plays better. Defenseman's with, out. What does that yeah, say?
2: Big big, big blow to his Norris
1: chances. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) So, I mean, incredible how everyone stepped up, and especially Dylan Sandberg. And it amazes me how Dylan Sandberg could go from third pairing D to healthy scratch for Logan Stanley. And then Josh Morrissey's out, and he slides into his spot and takes on his role. I, I would be shocked if he's a healthy scratch again this year, just the way that he was able to step up against a tough Tampa team. I mean, all around, there's so many things. One thing I do want to say in that Tampa, uh, you know, we're kind of flip-flopping here back and forth games, but on that Saturday game, credit to the refs for calling the Shafley play the five-minute major. And I think they do this. They call it a five-minute major because they don't, you know, they think it could be, but what if it isn't? Absolutely. And, they call um, it as a five and then review it. And they, and look, and if it was, uh, you know, they reviewed it, and I thought it was pretty obvious. Shafley had a position. Forsling tried to get around him. Wasn't able to, wasn't able to. I mean, it was a pretty big play. It could have been a five-minute major. Oh. But Shafley stood his ground going into the corner. And I think it was just a, you know, a tough play. Two guys battling and a, a very unfortunate result for Forsling, who did return, which shocked me because I thought that was going to be a very serious uh, head injury, just how, or back, you I know, mean, how he slammed into the boards there. He just slammed in. But you know what? It yep. reminded me, and this is a perfect
1: segue, because of course it is AEW week, and we'll probably talk a little more wrestling. Yes. The way that he took that hit was sort of like the way the wrestlers hit the mat, where it sort of distributes it over your entire body. Like, it was a solid, flat shot to the board. It wasn't like, you know, go one and hit the head. Anyways, it was good that he wasn't hurt. Uh, And that, of course, was the second major penalty that had been called and overturned on replay. Is Kyle Connor a goon? Is he trying to make sure that he never even is mentioned... In the Lady Bing Trophy conversation again, uh, he had as many penalty minutes on the weekend than he did all of last season, uh, and yes, was called for a major. I got, that was bizarre. Eckblad Ek, uh, looked like he had been shot, and then you went back and looked at the... Anyway, listen, there was a slash, and he did get two minutes for it, Um but I really think that just with the reaction of a veteran player like that, like, was that way worse than we thought? Let's call the major and go back. Uh, the bottom line is I don't have issues with the reps doing that. Uh, I, I think that when you're doing something as impactful as calling a major penalty, you would like to have the benefit of video review. Or, or from a defensive standpoint, like from a, the Jet standpoint, you want to make sure that they're getting the right call. So if they're going to do that but still review them, I think most coaches are fine with that. And the bottom line was they got it right on both, one being a two-minute penalty and one Mark Shifley given the I told you so and going from the penalty box right back to the Jets bench
2: with no penalty whatsoever. It's kind of funny. I think about it. The Jets on the weekend went 3-0 and on video reviews. The other one coming Saturday where Brendan Dillon goes what he called his office. <laughs> in front of the great net line by which, Dylan, which was a pretty solid line. And uh, Morgan Barron puts in the uh, game-winning goal. I mean, I thought that was a play. Dylan went hard to the net. He didn't crash into Vasilevsky, really. he's kind of right in his face. And I didn't really think they are were... I wasn't... You know, you don't know what they're going to do on those. I know Kevin Sawyer, he's broadcasting Jets games. He was like 100%. This is not... And he was right. Uh, he was right. I don't know if I would have been that confident that he was and he kind of joked to the end that he's not going to have to eat, you know, his hat or whatever he said he was going to eat a was- me.
1: He, he doesn't have a hat, and he wasn't wearing a hat on oh. the
2: weekend at all.
1: And that was quite oh. obvious. Nice nice little t- tinge. He had the pink in the tie to go with his face. Nothing better than the uh, little bit of off time for the broadcasters hey, when you're down in between Florida. I think he spent some quality time at the pool before the game on Sunday.
2: Hey, it's cold here say, in Winnipeg. I don't blame I was the Jets jealous. going to Florida. Sorry, Jets going to Florida, getting a couple wins. And uh, the bra, you know, t- soaking in the sun. I think it, you know, you need that. It gives you energy, and they definitely had energy this weekend. And we joked, uh, was it last weekend or two weekends ago, once the Islanders on Sunday we said, oh, yeah, this game tests your character, and we're going to see what you're made of. And they go out against the Islanders and have one shot in the first period. And against them, I think this is, you know, more urgent adversity with a couple teams breathing down your neck in Nashville and Calgary in the playoffs, and the Jets have vit- two... Very tough opponents and were able to come out with four points uh, on the road. Survey interrupted you there. And oh, my, no, my no, 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 I mean, hard.
1: you're exactly right, though. I mean, and getting back to the desperation and urgency, I mean, I think we saw that in a, at a lot of times. No, listen, there were still some mishaps. There were a couple goals that you would like to, to see not go in. I mean, they just welcomed the lightning back into the game last night with a mishap on the power play of all things after being up three to one and getting a power play on that disallow or the goal that Brandon Dillon started and Morgan Barron slammed in. And by the way, great to see Morgan Barron get one. I thought he and Mason Appleton were monsters yesterday. And obviously there's a huge worry about Adam Lowry. He played last night and had a very, very impactful game. But I mean the back and forth between Pionk and Wheeler on that power play will be discussed. You can hang it on either of those guys. Bottom line is that was self-inflicted as some of the issues the Jets have had more often than not have been. Um, But the way they led by Connor Hellebuck, um, I think really steeled themselves afterwards. And maybe the biggest play in the entire game, Remo, we've talked a lot about the the PK, which um, got, got worked pretty hard on, on Saturday night by the, uh, by the Panthers stepped up after Kevin Stenland took that stick penalty while killing a penalty and a five on three against Tampa Bay. Um, Hellebuck was perfect during that period of time. They had the tight triangle. I thought the guys did a good job of letting the goaltenders see the puck and clearing rebounds. And that penalty kill, bouncing back from a tough night for the PK the night before, I thought really allowed them to survive that period where the Lightning were really pushing. And I'll tell you what, that third period for the Winnipeg Jets, I mean, you knew Tampa was going to create some, I mean, they're one of the best teams in the league. I mean, they weren't just going to quit and leave, but the Jets were able to transition quickly and create some great chances of their own. And. I mean, Kyle Connor, Mason Appleton were in all alone at times. Um, could have easily scored, but there was a hell of a goaltender on the other side of things in Andre Vasilevsky. So um, building off that win on Saturday, which they so desperately needed with an even better performance, doing it without Josh Morrissey, uh, man, I'm not sure that this weekend, certainly results-wise, could have gone any better for the Jets. And combine it with Calgary dropping a game to the Ducks on home ice on Friday, um, you know that that f- fire alarm that was happening when it came to the Jets playoff spot. Um, we brought the uh, brought the, the the hose out a little bit on it. They're certainly in a much better situation right now, six game, uh, six points up. And I had said to you going into the Minnesota game, you've got Minnesota, Florida, Tampa, Carolina, Boston. If you could get 5 out of 10 points, I think you survived that. Well, the Jets have 5 already. Um, obviously, very difficult matchups. I mean, no guarantees on uh, any sort of result against Carolina or Boston. But they've given themselves the opportunity to do exactly that, to exceed, I think, anyone's expectations. And the bottom line is, I think they've calmed the nerves of themselves and the fan base with those massive 4 points uh, over the last couple nights.
2: Yeah, just going over the... Uh... Special teams yesterday. Lightning zero for three on the power play, including that key five on three. Jets one for two It was a neater rider goal. And I'm looking at time on ice, and um, you know the guy with the lowest ice time, uh, David Gustafson, eight twenty nine, just showed you how all four lines were going, and it makes you wonder what's going to happen when Pierre Luc Dubois comes back. He's not going to be playing tomorrow. He was skating at, at the Hockey for All Center yesterday morning, and, you know, they decided he's not going to travel. You hope he's back Thursday. Uh, the Jets don't have any uh, media today, travel day for them, and we'll wait in here. Uh, you know, we'll wait for tomorrow, see about, you know, what happens with Josh Morrissey and, and anything else uh, that may have popped up here. But uh, I think, you know, the line's looking great. And funny, last week, we were so down Thursday, Friday on this team. The playoff, you know, the playoff chances had dipped below 80% on money puck after being like in the 90s all season. They've gone up here to 85. And you look at Nashville, 14.1%. They had a nice overtime win yesterday after almost blowing it to Anaheim. Calgary had a nice win. But the Jets are basically, you know, going against these two teams. And it's so funny. Last week, again, we were so down. And now I'm like, hey, if the Jets get in the playoffs and then what, they get the two or the three in the central where they are now and not a wild card. And you don't play Colorado. They could beat, pretty I think they could beat Like, does any other team really in the West make you that nervous, except for Colorado? Maybe Edmonton because they have McDavid and Dreisaitl. Ah, The Jets
1: play the Jets play Edmonton well. Yeah, Um, they play exactly. They play Edmonton well. I mean, they swept them a couple years ago. I mean, I guess the teams are different now, and I think Edmonton with the addition of Eckholm, although I still have major questions about their goaltending. And I don't have that about the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, listen, if we yes. get if, if the Jets are in the playoffs and you have the Connor Hellebuck that we saw last night, not necessarily the one from earlier this week, um, the Jets are going to be a very very tough out. And even if things ended right now, I was just looking at the projections from Micah Blake McCurdy, and let's say the Jets make the playoffs but finish in that second wild card. Um, Vegas right now is projecting to be the number one team, a first round Jets Knights. Uh, that would be pretty juicy. And I know Jonathan Quick has been awesome. You shut out Carolina on the weekend, and he's actually looking more like the old Jonathan Quick early on in his time with the Vegas Golden Knights. But, I mean, especially with the potentially no Mark Stone, we'll see what happens with him, whether he's going to be coming back. Um, Colorado's the team that, when fully healthy, scared me the most. I think Edmonton would be right up there. But, um, again, it's all about getting in right now. And I'm not willing to say... That hey, two wins, everything's fine. The last two months is completely in the rearview mirror. <laughs> uh, but at the same point, like I said, find a way, figure it out, get a result. Find just get a win this weekend. They ended up getting two. Calgary lost a game they had to have against the Ducks, so the Jets certainly are in a much much better position. And I mean, I'm not even sure there's a massive benefit to being third or second or fourth. It's about getting in, seeing where the chips land and who you got in the first round and um, playing your best hockey. And certainly we saw much more of that on the weekend, especially in Sunday's game than we had as of late. As good as they played, frankly, against San Jose and Minnesota. What was so impressive, though, about this? We knew Minnesota just played the night before a 65-minute game against uh, Calgary going into Wednesday night's game. And yeah, the Blackhawks were uh, playing both of those teams the nights before, uh, but Florida needed that. They are playing playoff games right now, and the Tampa Bay Lightning, nothing's easy against a team like that. So there is a uh, a lot to like about the weekend for the Winnipeg Jets, and as I say, considering what the situation was with the Jets' playoff spot and how precarious it looked going into the weekend... Uh, very different story today, and uh, we are all here for it. Um, Let's hear. Let's go to Saturday because, uh, Remo, I want to get to that clip from Bones afterwards who I think said the obvious. I mean, you can pick apart parts of the game, but the bottom line was they needed to find a way to win. They did it, and uh, Bones said we will take a win any way we can get it.
3: We'll take a win any way of time we can get it, any way we can get it. I think, I think a lot of our problems tonight were self-inflicted with poor puck management. That really hurt us. Uh, we spent some unnecessary time in our zone. The good news is we liked, we scored the five goals, which was huge. The power play looked good. And um, so the puck went in the net for us. And really, yeah, we, we probably played a lot better the last two games and lost. So we'll take any win we can get it, any way we can get it. Uh, it was scrambling there for both teams. It was.
1: All right, man, you could just almost feel the... Uh... Feel the relief in Bones' voice um, talking about the win. And there's no apologizing for a win like that, um, especially when you need it as badly as the Winnipeg Jets did. Uh, Another guy that really stepped up on the weekend and the Jets have needed it is Mark Shifley. Uh, I thought Shifley was dangerous in both of the games, but particularly that Florida game. Um, And man, he looked engaged too. I mean, at times over the course of the season, the last couple months, there's been some times where Shifley's play and engagement, I think, has left some people wanting more. That certainly was not the case right now, and that is a great sign for the Winnipeg Jets. Bones talked about his number one center and Shifley's performance after the win against the Panthers.
3: We were just talking about him, the defensive play at the end of the game behind the net, battling as hard as he did. So uh, he, he had an outstanding game both sides of the puck. So the goal, happy to see the goals go in. But it was just as important as what he did at the end of the game defensively in our zone, battling behind the net and winning that battle and getting it out. So solid, solid game from him.
1: All right, so there's Bones on Chifley. Now, coming out of that game room, as you mentioned, there were questions, and to quote Rick Bonus, he said both Josh Morrissey and Adam Lowry were very, very doubtful for the game on Sunday, and we'd have more this week. That was ominous. I mean, the thought of rolling, especially without Josh Morrissey for an extended period of time, um, I think scared to bejesus out of most people involved with the Winnipeg Jets. That being said, Dylan Sambert came in didn't miss a beat, played a very strong game and everybody stepped up. Neil Pionk pushed almost 24 minutes last night uh, in the game against the uh, game against the lightning. Um, but Adam Lowry was out there for the game uh, against Tampa, which was a nice surprise. And I got to tell you, Remo that Baron Appleton Lowry line had one of their best games of the year. We mentioned Morgan Barron's goal and how important that was for him after being a little snake bit lately. And, Mason Appleton, I think, will still feel pretty snake bit after the chances that he had. Um, but they weren't just doing a good job shutting down the opposition. They played a lot of time in the other team's end. And I thought the
2: way that they skated and broke the puck out was considerably better than we'd seen for a while. Yeah, Morgan Barron's really had a lot of chances. Uh going back to the Edmonton game, uh, we know that he has what the the best speed on the team as far as the fastest skater competition at the at the skills. In the skills, but I think you're seeing that he's creating chances going to the net, um, shorthanded for sure. And you did see him, uh, you know, put it in the rebound for the game winner. So you know, I like the way Morgan Barron looks. Nathan Appleton had that chance on the breakaway. Uh, you know, Kyle Connor went for the deke on his breakaway, and Vasilevsky stopped it. But Appleton goes in with the shot. And we've talked uh, with Jeff about them, you know, wanting to have this third pair, this third line shutdown style, like they had with Lowry, Kopp, and Tanev. You know, maybe this is the early beginning of bringing this line, and they're going to have some tough tests coming up against Carolina. Although Carolina hasn't scored a lot the last couple of games, but Boston is probably going to be a very, a very tough test on Thursday. So, um, you know, we'll monitor Adam Lowry's health. I don't, you know, going from very doubtful to look pretty good last yeah, night. Yeah, going from very doubtful to you know playing against one of the top lines in the NHL. So, um, I think you got to be positive, and we've talked about. The bottom six needing to chip in, and uh, there they were yesterday with a with a big goal. So when they you know, when they score three, get goals from all the lines, it's a nice recipe for success, which they had yesterday, even without without their best D and Josh Morrissey, incredible.
1: Well, and, and, and I mean, you um, you know gave Chevy some credit for those two trades, and I mean the contributions of both Nito Niederreiter and Vlad Metznekov, which we'll talk a little bit more with Hammer a, a little bit later on. I do wonder, I mean, if Pierre-Luc Dubois is back, presumably in his spot, centering that second line, does Nemetnikov move back to playing with Barron and Lowry where he was to start off? Or with the way Mason Appleton played yesterday and the way that line was looking, is Nemetnikov now actually on potentially the fourth line, um, centering it? I think it gives them some options, but both of those players have been... I mean, absolutely huge uh, over the course of even the way the team was playing, not getting the results earlier this week. Demetzkov was impactful in the game they won in his debut against the Edmonton Oilers last week, right after the deadline. Um, and I think both will be, um, you know, w- w- whether they're whether Demetikov is on the right side of that that the, that third line or elsewhere in the lineup. I, I think they're going to find spots to play him right now because, um, you know, certainly he's been. He's been, uh, I mean, a real breath of fresh air. And, man, they needed it, uh, along with Niederreiter, who I don't think could have could have imagined him doing much better. Uh, let's get to Sunday, though. Um, and it wasn't much like, hey, back-to-back, even the coaches need a little bit of load management. Yeah. <laughs> so it was Scott Arneal that did the post-game media avail. Um, and Arnie talked about um, just how big it was to uh, get two points on the board back-to-back nights against two real good teams.
4: Yeah, it's huge. Uh, yeah, two tough barns, especially now, the last couple of years, how good Florida is. and um, You know, it's a real desperate time for us for points, and we have to you know, keep pace with everybody in our division and in our conference. So uh, we knew it was going to be a tough trip, and so far uh, we've off to, I've been off to a great start.
1: Alright, so uh, Scott Arneal uh, putting out the, uh, the great start and just how desperate they were and obviously got what they needed and those were a, a couple big wins. I was just mentioning how good that Lowry-Appleton-Baron line was. Uh, they certainly impressed Scott Arneal last night. Here's what the coach had to say about his third line's performance against Tampa.
4: Yeah, you know, they obviously with Apple's injuries, but um, you know, them getting back and kind of being that shutdown line, you know, they had a tough assignment last night with the Barkoff and then again tonight, it. Um, they had to put a lot of miles on it, and um, they did a fantastic job. You know, there's some awful, there's an awful lot of good skill on that other team in Tampa, as we know. And um, you know, they did what they needed to do, and that was, uh, you know, that was to be at their best. And they they got a lot of opportunities off it as well by playing playing well without the puck.
1: All right, Scott O'Neill on the uh, the Baron Appleton Lowry last night, as we mentioned, maybe the most crucial point in the entire game after giving up that shorthanded goal. The Jets went on with Jets went down a man and then Kevin Stenland took a uh, tripping penalty for an extended five on three kill um the Jets stepped up led by Connor Hellebuck, got that kill and Scott O'Neill talked about um, killing that five- on- three situation and what that did for his team
4: yeah well I saw a goaltender make a couple of big ones but at, at the end of the day <clears throat> we knew that they were you know their shooters and They've got a lot of different weapons. Everybody's dangerous. It's not like you can take one one guy away or two guys away. It's everybody was a part of that. And You know what? We tried not to get too far away from Helly and try to get in and help on those rebounds last night. A couple of those uh, were sort of battles that rained on top of Helly. I thought tonight we did a better job, not only on the five-on-three, but the five-on-fours of coming back and finding those loose pucks and getting them out of there.
1: All right, so uh, Scott O'Neill, more from, uh, from last night's game. And I'll say this, Remo, I don't know about you, but Hellebuck looked so good on that five-on-three. Uh, and I know a couple pucks had already gotten by him. He probably wouldn't have loved the first one early on in the game. But watching the way he played on that five-on-three, how structured he looked, how confident, how big he looked, I don't know about you, but I had i had a, a real level of confidence that was completely back that Connor Hellebuck was on top of his game. And... uh um, that proved correct because uh, the
2: Lightning were not able to beat him again and uh, obviously lost the game. Yeah, like, I don't know the last time a goalie started back-to-back games on Saturday and Sunday and faced the volume of shots that he did. Thirty-three of thirty-five yesterday, he made forty-four saves in the win on Saturday on forty-eight shots. And you know, I, I had thought maybe that they would that they would go with him. I was like, ah, he faced forty-eight shots on Saturday. He's not playing Sunday, but. Uh, he is their guy. How could they not? He wanted the ball. That, that's um, that's my question. What, what do you How make do you not of, do you, play him? What do you make of the decision to start him? I mean, obviously it's the right one because it worked, but uh, long-term, do you think it was, we could see a worn-down Hellebuck here in the playoffs. is Concerns for you, hustler? No, people in not our at comments all. concerned. I have no concerns, and I said it as much on Friday that I'd be
1: shocked if he didn't play back to back. As long as he, you know, had a good game uh, uh, against the Panthers. Listen, Hellebuck's done this three times this year, and I think he's three and zero. He can play a lot, and you know there will be opportunities to get big save Dave in at some point. It might be tomorrow, to be honest. I, I mean, I could see him potentially playing tomorrow. But I'll be honest, if it's me, I think I might play him the next couple of games and then give David Riddick either Nashville or St. Louis next week. Um, Because as I said, Connor Hellebuck, I think, wanted to get in as much as anyone considering the way things went earlier this week. And he didn't play on the Monday. Um, He can handle it right now. I mean, you start him 82 games, no. But uh, hey, they're getting ready for the playoffs. And you know what happens at the playoffs? You ride one goalie night in and night out. and Considering the Jets' situation, until they officially clinch a playoff spot, I think we're going to see Connor Hellebuck playing most of
2: the games. When do you think we'll see Dave next? Does he go tomorrow, or, yeah, or do you wait he, till the weekend? I think he goes tomorrow. That's my pick. And I'm enjoying some of the comments here. Va Split makes a great point. He's like, goalies don't get tired. Players are playing every freaking game, and goalies, <laughs> goalies. You know, we talk, we don't talk about resting Mark Scheckley because he's tired from playing. And back-to-back, huh? So why are we talking about goalies uh, like this? But, yeah, I think Riddich will go tomorrow and Hellebuck Thursday. And, you know, Riddich, they usually play Hellebuck the first game of the back-to-back and then give uh, the backup the second game. So uh, nice, you know, the schedule. Hey, just
1: on, on B, just on BA splits point, I, I, I'm going <laughs> to agree with BA on that. And I will take it one step further. A lot of people in the media and sometimes even coaches and whatnot, they're talking about, well, we're going to make a decision based on the workload. I mean, like if a guy sees eight more official shots on goal in a game, does that make him less available to play the next day? I mean, to me, you're playing, you're locked in for the entire game. I mean, I guess if you're sitting there with no action whatsoever, maybe it's a lighter night, but I mean, you either play or you don't play. And the next day, are you able to go? Are you able to go? Um, So I was glad that they went with Halibut. I thought he was going to be the best version of himself on the weekend. The team needed him to be that way. And I think he, on a personal level, knows that he needed to kind of make up for a disappointing night on Wednesday and did that in spades. One of the other things, back to Arneel, that was really impressive, especially last night, was the traffic that the Winnipeg Jets were getting in front of the net. Um, During the time when they were quite cold and the offense wasn't happening, a lot of it was coming from around the perimeter. That wasn't the case last night. They were paying the price to get into the net, and Scott Arneal talked about the net front's presence on a couple of the Winnipeg Jets goals last night.
4: A goaltender like Vasilevsky, you have to have traffic. You have to have bodies around the net front. You have to make it difficult on him. He's gonna, anything he sees, is gonna, he's going to stop. So um, part of the game plan was to get to him, get down in there, put pucks into his feet, and kind of hope that, you know, sort of the chaos happens from there.
1: All right, Scott, we got one more on Arnie who um, <clears throat> mentioned the Winnipeg Jet Defence Corps stepping up big time, everyone needing to play up with Josh Morrissey's absence for the first time this season. And uh, here was our Neal's comments on the defense core and the way they hung in there without 44 on the blue line.
4: Yeah, it was by committee. I thought that, you know, we had to use everybody back to back games, uh, you know, where Josh can log some big minutes. Um, You know, we got to, everybody had to be a part of it and real proud of the guys did a real good job of clearing the front of the net. And I know there's a lot of uh, sort of crazy situations that were going on at times. And, you know they they kept their head. I like the way we moved the puck up. We were quick. We didn't allow uh, you know extended times uh, in our end of the rink. We played fast, and and that helped a lot for us to get on in getting uh, Tampa's in.
1: All right. So a little bit more from uh, from Scott Arneal, who, as they said, we gave Bones some load management on those back to backs. He didn't talk after the game last night, uh, but Scott Arneal did. Um, Brandon Dillon Arnie just mentioned him eight hundredth game in the National Hockey League and a, uh, a very, very impactful player in both of those games. Um, but Dylan talked about hanging on for a win after giving up that shorthanded goal in such a crucial situation last night.
5: Uh, we like to keep things interesting. I uh, never want to get too high uh, <laughs> our, or too low. We I think it's a credit to our group. We've, we've got a bunch of key important guys out um, back-to-back in a tough building with... With the hungry team there, and we uh, were able to manage it. We showed a lot of a lot of character with that. We, we had guys blocking shots. Um, penalty kill came up huge. Um, we we just overall played a great road game. We we really wanted to work on on our, our road game in general coming into this trip, and to to get a big big back-to-back uh, couple wins and in, in some tough buildings against some tough teams is uh, is just huge for our group.
1: Yeah, of course, Brandon Dillon on the uh, the snow goal as well, kind of giving Andre Vasilevsky a little bit of extra company in the uh, in the crease, and then Morgan Barron battling in uh, batting in that rebound um, for a much needed goal for him personally and for the Winnipeg Jets. One other thing about Dylan Ream, and I can't say I'm surprised at all. He was the guy that got the A on his jersey with Josh Morrissey out enough, man, did he step up playing a uh, second most ice time on the blue line of uh, all defenders just behind Neil Pionk, 21, 23, uh, including two uh, and a half minutes shorthanded. And as well, a big part of that five
2: on three kill. Yeah. had a big assist too. And, you know, Dylan, you know, gives a great answer there. but you know, He goes to the net uh, on the game winner. Uh, you know, he's a physical guy. You know, I, He's one of the few, what quote unquote, fat guys. He's an ice hockey term. No, no offense, Brendan Dillon, but he's, look, he's a big guy. He can push people around. You, you know, they needed a guy like him on the team, and um, you know, he's really fitting in pretty nicely here down the stretch. And um, you know, I was listening to Kenny and Randy, and they said, you know, Kenny was like, "Yeah, Dylan, you know, he's kind of like the Brian Little who gives uh, you know the realistic answers or the Paul Stasny role. You know, when you need uh, you know hear it straight, how the team is going, you hear it from him and uh, I guess not much of a surprise that they slapped the A on him with uh, Josh Morrissey out.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely deserve it. We got one more from Dylan. This is a really good clip. Uh, a good clip. Um, it was well documented here and elsewhere as to how critical this road trip was for the Winnipeg Jets um, and the gauntlet that they were going to be playing. Brendan Dillon just expanded a little bit on getting two wins in the first two games of a very tri- a tough road trip so far.
5: Yeah, we uh, we wanted to come into this one hoping for six points. Um, so the fact that we've got the first 1st uh, four, um, we're, we're confident in our group. We know we've gone through a tough spell here the last 10, 15 games, but um, we're, we're the ones that are going to have to get out of it. We're going to have to find ways to win. Um, injuries, we, we can't use any excuses for us. Um, and tonight, you know, everybody stepped up, um, you know, our checkers checked, our offensive guys produced, and um, everyone just contributed whatever way they needed to.
0: Yeah, and just last one for me, but you guys have that template from earlier in the year and they get seven guys out at one point and maybe some of your best hockey of the year, right? So yeah. obviously it's not a good thing to have anyone out, but you know how to play when you're shorthanded.
5: Yeah, we, uh, and that's what we got to be confident in. Whoever's whoever's in the lineup, I think we had about 25 guys out there for warm-ups just in case, seeing who, uh, who could go, who couldn't go, there was only so many pucks to go around but uh, we, we're just finding ways to make it work and uh, good teams find ways to win
1: alright there's Brandon Dillon what a weekend he had as did his Winnipeg Jets Jeff Hamilton coming up a little later on I'm going to talk about the Jets and the rest of the NHL right now with TSN's Dave Poulin one of our favorites before we do that folks uh, don't forget whether you're working and uh, need a battery for your car your truck or that summer toy you're working on Manitoba Battery, our great sponsors over at 1026 Logan Avenue, is the place to get the best price on batteries. Shop local with the convenience of having it delivered to you. That's right. You can give them a call at lunchtime or even early on in Winnipeg Sports Talk and have that battery you need delivered. And on your doorstep in two to four hours anywhere in the city of Winnipeg at a lower price that you'll pay at one of the big box stores. Don't waste your time finding a parking spot at Costco or waiting in line at Canadian Tire or giving your money to the big box stores. Shop local, save time and gas and let Manitoba Battery deliver it to you. Give them a phone call 783-8787 or order online at manitobabattery.com. It's that simple. Big thanks to Manitoba Battery for their great support of WST. Um, all right, speaking of great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk, special thanks to our friends at Consolidated Supply. Didn't get too much snow this weekend, which is great. We're that much closer to spring, and again, Consolidated Supply are already working on the upcoming season, certainly when it comes to golf courses. They're the leader when it comes to golf cars, but also irrigation and artificial turf projects. And you don't just need to be a golf course to use consolidated supply. If you're working on a landscaping project for your property, talk to them about irrigation solutions. And hey, if you're thinking about any area that could use artificial turf, they've got you hooked up as well. And Hey, it's not just what's gonna be on the the ground. What about a spa or a hot tub? How about a beautiful outdoor kitchen? Got amazing options like that as well as small engine parts and repairs. They're the leader for as too. Consolidated Supply, pop down and see them for all your needs. 1395 dollars Road East or check out everything they can do for you at cte.ca. Um, we are welcoming in our uh, nominations for the Unsung Hero for another month along with our great friends at Wallace & Wallace. All you need to do, folks, is send us an email to hero at winnipegsportstalk.com. It might be a great time to nominate someone that's been incredibly active in helping minor hockey or minor sports programs throughout the year. Um, Whether you're volunteering with charities, with programs like that, or just being that go-to person on the block or in the community helping others, let us know about that person. The unsung hero for the month will get an autographed jersey from Jets All-Star defenseman Josh Morrissey. Wallace and Wallace, make a $500 donation to the Dream Factory in the name of the Winnipeg Sports Talk listener that nominated the unsung hero. And Josh and Margot Morrissey will match that as well. So send us your nominations for the unsung hero for March, unsung hero at Winnipeg um, And hey, just before we get to Dave Poolin, if you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, and Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products, too. Vita Health Fresh Market is the place. St. Patrick's Day is coming up on Friday. Uh, They've got great non-alcoholic craft beer and mocktails, amazing snacks as well. And guys, with spring just around the corner, allegedly get ready for it with Ultimate Male Energy. Formulated specifically for men over 35, Ultimate Male Energy is designed to help improve testosterone production, reduce excess body fat, build muscle tissue, maintain prostate health and more, and it's on sale today at Vita Health. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives, family owned for 85 years in Winnipeg, seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca. All right, the hammer's still to come. Right now, let's welcome in TSN's Dave Poulin. Poulin, what's up? Hope you had a great weekend. We certainly did here in Winnipeg. Amazing what a couple wins can do for a team and a fan base.
0: It really is amazing, and that's the ebbs and flows of of what we're going through right now, in those last 20 games. Actually, the article I wrote Uh, in the star on Sunday was about wait a second we still have 20 games left like you think the trade deadline's done and and you know here we go we're going to work and we don't have to worry about anything else but no there's a lot of hockey left to be played and I think that the it's already playoffs Andrew and in the way you handle the time between games is so critical right now and I'm speaking to the fans as as well as the players and the broadcasters as well as the players because you know, in a seven-game series, you win the first game, well, you're, you're on cloud nine. But you can't be because you have to play game two. And likewise, if you lose the first game, you haven't lost the series. And yet that's the way wins and losses are going right now. Everybody's looking, but they're computing points, and they're computing other teams' schedules, and they're computing all these different factors that go into play. And you, you have to worry about your own games and play your own games. And I think Winnipeg did an excellent job of, of doing that. And maybe the weather had a little bit to do with it. Maybe it was like, you know what, we're in sunny Florida. We're allowed to smile and we're allowed to be good. And and they were.
1: Well, The funny thing is, in, uh, in years past, sometimes that Florida break has not necessarily been a positive for the performance of the Jets or, or other teams. But, I mean, to be frank, Dave, it really did seem like the Jets were in a real crisis situation. I mean, they had been dropping. They had probably the worst record in the league over the last dozen games. All the hard work that they built that lead up earlier in the year had evaporated, and um, you come off two really good games played at home with only one point to show for it, and then go out on maybe the most daunting road trip and schedule of the season. Um, How important can one win for a team that's struggling, for a team that hasn't had things go well for them? Um, It was not a blueprint game on on, uh, Saturday night against the Panthers, but they got a win. How much can just one result do for a team that desperately needs it?
0: It's one result with tangible, you know, tangible points attached to it. And the games you talk about, you know, my experience has always been that when you're going through a real struggle, you play well before you win. And just like when you're on a long winning streak, you play a couple of games, and are like, yeah, we weren't great, but we won. And going in and out of those types of streaks you're going to have these times at some points during the year. You're just flat out going to everybody does. I mean, even Boston's in a massive two game losing streak over the last two weeks. Aren't they? Um, Yeah. (laughs) For for their standard. (laughs) Yeah. So, but everybody's going to have them. So when would you rather have them? Well, for me, I'd rather have them with 20 games left in the season when you can address them and adjust and not have this be, you have a terrible two week period in the first round of the playoffs. You're done. So, you'd hope that it's out of the way you've addressed some things that you have to address. And it's so hard to address them when you're winning, Andrew. As much as you would say, you know, I've I've been on both sides of it. I've stood and spoken in a locker room, I've stood and, or sat and listened in a locker room. When you're winning and the coach comes in and says we have to do this this and this. Your tendency is to look at the guy next to you and go, "What's he so upset about? We're winning. We'll fix it." And that's not you know, Rick Bonus knew what he was talking about when they were still winning and then they got you know, into a, a situation where they couldn't get a win. So those last two games where you come up with only one point in those last couple games, he was stressing that we're playing better. They have to understand we're playing better. We have to keep doing the things we're doing, and we'll be rewarded. And I thought in Florida, in both games are rewarded. And, you know, you lose a player of the stature of Josh Morrissey that you lose, and yet you find a way to get it done. Dylan Sandberg, I thought, did a nice job last night coming in but you found a way to get it done against two teams that are desperate in their own right. I mean, Florida is just, you know, just trying to be there and Tampa Bay has gone through arguably their toughest stretch in the last three years. So I think they're better wins than they even look right now in terms of getting the job done. And you had some huge contributions as well. I think, you know, Nita Ryder starting to fit in and starting to contribute and, you know, across the board, everybody's got to contribute to be, to be in a good place at this point of the year.
1: The irony about Nito Niederreiter is I think last week when there'd been a real power outage of some of the top players, the power play, and he's been the one guy that's been consistently scoring. I mean, what an addition he's been. And Nemetsnikov's been very, very much a factor as well. Um, But Dave, I want to go back to Saturday for a minute, because as I mentioned, I mean, the shots in the game were just about two to one for Florida. Connor Hellebuck had had a rough couple of games coming in. Uh, the power play hadn't been scoring. There was a number of things that happened in that game that you probably didn't like. Obviously, them coming back, but yet you got to win and and hit on a number of things that were missing in a game. Um, special teams certainly. I mean, the power the penalty kill has been elite for the Winnipeg Jets pretty much all season long, despite getting victimized on the weekend in that game. But tell us about a power play and how you can go through a period of time where things just don't seem in sync and a little bit, of, what a little bit of success can do for a unit like we saw this weekend for the jets.
0: The power play is arguably the most scouted thing in the game. And when a power play is good, it's scouted that much more when it has the components that Winnipeg has. And so what do you focused on the power play? The driver on the backside was Josh Morrissey. Yes. Um, I think the key person up front is Kyle Connor because of where he shoots, how he shoots. So when you're scouting through the course of a year, you watch another team's success against, So let's look at Florida. Florida's saying, okay, who's been good against Winnipeg's power play recently? And just pick three teams. say so these three teams when it, or Minnesota shut them down. What did they do? And then it gets really specific. Well, they took away the past two Connors. So we're going to take away the past two Connor. So you have something tangible, to teach your guys. And that's why, Andrew, quite frankly, the power play is very often less of a factor in the playoffs. There's less penalties called, and the scouting is so sophisticated and so ingrained in guys' minds. And I was a penalty killer. And you knew that the more I saw you do something, if you keep repeating it because it's successful, eventually I'm going to shut it down. And so that's you have to change it up. You have to be willing to alter it. And ultimately what it has to start with for me, if my power play is struggling is a shot on net and a puck retrieval. So now I'm asking my power play guys to do the hardest job. That's get the puck back. And, but they have to be willing to do that. They can't go to their favorite spots, lock in and think it's going to work. And every team goes through it. So you've got to be willing to adjust. And that's why I don't mind the tinkering of a, of a guy here or there either different in a different spot just to change things up. So the other team is saying, Okay, well, we haven't seen them do that. You know, let's adjust to that. And so I think it's inevitable. It's it's why even the truly elite power plays, as you witness right now in Edmonton, goes through times when we're just going to sit on a Liam over here. We're not letting them touch the puck. And, you know, and Connor's going to have to beat us and, and things like that, um, that, that inevitably you go through. You know, I mean, one of the topics that we'd hit on the program was sort of
1: wondering at one point the personnel was going to be shaken up a little bit, and specifically with Nikolai Ehlers. I mean, at the start of the year, he was penciled in as a number one power play guy, missed all that time, has not really spent much time at all on that top unit, and it hadn't been working. They stayed with it, especially with the arrival of Nito Niederreiter, and got some success this week. But at the same time, Nikolai Ehlers, and I think this goes back to the San Jose and especially the Minnesota game looked a little bit more dangerous. Looked like he was getting back into his groove, uh, but he scored, and you could you could see him on the television on uh, Saturday night. I believe the words was it's about bleeping time um, to get that goal and to get back on. Uh, we've talked about Nick beforehand, but. He's missed a lot of time, maybe took a little bit of time to get back to his top level, um, but had struggled lighting the lamp. Um, what have you seen of his play over the last week? And for a player like that to actually get some results, much like the team overall, what can that do individually for going forward for a guy that, honestly, this
0: team needs so much from? He's an enormous boost to the squad, there's no question. And when you think about Nikolai, if you said to me, where is his exact spot on the team? That's not an easy answer. It's just not, and it's been a changing spot. Even if you go back a couple of years, like because you know at at, some, at one point you'd say, well, the first line is clearly at one point Shifley, Wheeler and, and Connor, and you say, okay, well, where does that put Nikolai? Well, who's the second line center that day, and who's he playing with? And it's been somebody different. And now you introduce Pierre Louis. Are you worried about he's a versatile guy? He can play either side. And because of his speed and because he can play the individual game, he's not a guy that you worry about when you're when you're listing. It's almost like he's the last option of the six. Okay, we'll just put Nikolai there. And it's not fair, but it comes with his versatility, and it comes with the fact that he can be a solo artist as well. And and sometimes that's I mean, as good a player as he is because he doesn't have to rely on two other guys, you don't worry about placing him as much. The weird concept, actually. Um, You're almost cursed by your own skill set, And I think that's sometimes what it is. But when he first came back, like the first game or two, he was lying. And when he's using his speed, to me, the most dangerous Nikolai Ehler is when he's coming from behind. He's coming back deep in the zone. You can see him building up the speed. He's coming full tank at you, and that's when he causes major, major issues. And then, you know, who's playing off him. So once, you know, Dubois gets back in the lineup and is healthy and, and we get that measure done, as that happens now, how does Nino rider fit in? What's, you know, what's the makeup going to be? But these are good problems to have as everybody gets healthy.
1: Well, I mean, it is just funny. I mean, we think back to training camp, the things that were different about this club, I and mean, one of the things that Rick Bonus said right off the bat was Nikolai Elyers was going to be on the top line, was going to be on the top power play, he plays two games and misses half the season. Mm-hmm. And now it seems the landscape of the team is very much different. Bottom line is they need both of those lines to be going, and no question. Elyers is a big, big, uh, big part of it. But this does go back to injuries, Dave. And one of the familiar refrains I heard from friends over the course of the weekend was, Why does it take this team to lose a bunch of their top players to raise that level? And one could argue, I mean, the best stretch this team had all year was when they were missing Ehlers and Wheeler and Nate Schmidt and Mason Appleton. And the lull has sort of happened over the past month since this team's been as healthy as it's been all year. And then guys go down this weekend, important players, Adam Lowry and then Josh Morrissey on the back end yesterday. And it seems that the team steps up in a way that they haven't in the past. Is there any rhyme or reason to this?
0: No, there's not. There really isn't. It's. I think it's always been the case. Maybe there's a slight bit more desperation in each individual's game because they realize they have a little bit more to give. But ideally, when that happens... And the player comes back in the lineup. Everybody takes what they've done to elevate, continues, and you're adding a Josh Morrissey back in or a Lowry back in or a Dubois back in or whomever it may be that was out. And that's the ultimate. That's why I always feared teams that were dangerous because they were getting bodies in. Someone else had had maybe an unexpected role thrust on them, and they're able to maintain that role and add to their game. And, you know, that's why when you see a a team – you know, that's. I would still fear a team like Colorado who's had so many guys with such low mileage this year because if you get a Landis God back and he plugs in, well, so much has been expected of Rantman or, or JT Comfer who now bumps down on the lineup. So that, that is a phenomena that I've never been able to explain. I don't think anybody's been able to explain and it's almost like I've got to be better so I'm better because someone's out. And my argument as a coach is why don't you just be better all the time? <laughs> when he's in as well. And, you know, it seems to make more sense that way, but it's not the case.
1: You know, I, I have to um, mention Morgan Barron. And I mean, Adam Lowry, I think most of us thought from what Rick Bonus had to say after Saturday night's game that Adam Lowry was going to be out and you were going to be down two of your most important centers um, behind Mark Shifley. That wasn't the case. And that line, um, that line was so impactful yesterday. And Morgan Barron in particular, Dave, over the past I mean, week, week and a half, almost when Nemetsnikov came. Remus and I were talking about before that Edmonton game back at home. Um, when Nemetsnikov made his debut and played with Lowry and Barron. They have looked like a different line. Now, since then, the moved up and taken um, uh, Dubois place at center and Mason Appleton's got his right back. And that might've been Mason Appleton's best game of the season. Um, But in particular, we've talked about Adam Lowry a lot, but Baron Appleton contributions of players like that in the bottom six that, you know, have very challenging matchups on the other side of the rink, what that does for a team and how you get onto a bit of a run for players in that role. And, I mean, when I think back of great playoff teams, those are the teams that have third line that can obviously take care of things defensively, but also contribute offensively. And it seems like maybe for this Winnipeg Jets third line, that's starting to
0: happen. You think about big goals in key games, be it a a game seven in Tampa, Toronto where Nick Paul gets two goals. And that's exactly what you're talking about. But Morgan Barron is a result of, of something I've spoken about before in the show and, I think the first time I addressed it was, was in the Truba trade um, when you got sort of an unknown defenseman named Neil Pionk with the first-round draft pick. And in this case, you know, Barron comes over in the cop deal. And there wasn't a lot known about Morgan Barron at that point. And, you know, he'd been at Cornell. He played in the minors. He'd had a cup of coffee in the NHL. That's just excellent scouting by both your pro and amateur guys. And it's the combination of conversation that has to go on between them. Because you have to go back to your amateur guys and say, okay, where do we have Barron in the draft? Okay, why did he go where he went? Knew he was going to college, spent his time at Cornell, comes out, what do we think of now? What's he done in the American League? What's his upside? And that information all goes into the blender and you come out and say, you know, in the cop deal, we've got to, we've got to get a kid named Morgan Barron in the deal. And, and because a team is desperate and they're in the playoff mode, they're going to give him up at that point much easier than they'd give him up in the summer so i like that aspect of it but he's a big guy um, moves well and you know he's done what you asked him to do the reason that he's important is because as a jets team can play in different type of playoff series i think he brings a little bit more to a heavier series and depending on who you know in a perfect world who you end up with in the first round you go ahead you make the playoffs you make the first round and say okay who's our opposition now you start planning i think Barron's a versatile guy that gives you a piece of a heavier game
1: well and he hasn't been a real rough player but has certainly no. got into it and i think as the ramp uh, the um uh, energy in these games and maybe some of the physicality steps up i mean that's an invitation for him to do that as well um but dave we he'll have... benefit
0: too andrew he'll benefit from watching nino Nita rider and watching where that big body goes around the net and watching how he hangs out. And, you know, I'd I put him, i put a special assignment on Morgan Barron and say, just watch where Rider goes around the net.
1: Well, speaking of Niederreiter, um, and maybe you can touch on him and just what an addition he's been to the Winnipeg Jets. Because I think, I mean, if you break down every trade that was made, the value the Jets got for Niederreiter for a second round pick with an extra year might've been at the top of the list. But Dave, um, you followed this league for a long time in a number of roles. The one thing that stood out to me about this deadline, now that we can look back at it, and it speaks to what you were just mentioning about the playoff style and how the game is different, is the price that teams were willing to pay for players, maybe without the offensive pedigree, but with major two-way games and physicality. And I think back to the the hall that... Nashville got for Tanner, you know, which nobody saw. And then what Buffalo ended up paying for Jordan Greenway. Um, and obviously Minnesota having Ryan Reeves, maybe it was a little bit more, but I mean, you were talking about it was a second and a fifth for a two goal player for Greenway. The Jets got Niederreiter for a second. Can you explain Like, what do you make of the premium that certain teams are paying for tougher, more physical players at the deadline? And why are they doing that?
0: I think it goes back to some specific additions that have made that have had huge factors. And you look at Tampa Bay and it started with Barkley Gaudreau and Blake Coleman. When those two prices were paid respectively to San Jose and Jersey, everyone raised their eyebrows and said, you've got to be kidding me. But there was control left on contracts and they played a specific role. And you think of that line, what they did in those playoff runs with Yanni Gord. And it was the perfect complementary third line. And, you know, Julian Briswell went out and did it again with Nick Paul. He did it with Brandon Hagel. They set a price, so he did it with Tanner Geno. Now, you know, there's been a lot of study lately on the impact of the draft. And, you know, if you really look at a team deep down and say, one of the things I do is when I do my rosters for games, how many guys did you draft and how many are trades? And, you know, if you look at at the Jets' defense, virtually, you know, a number of them were traded for um you know sandberg was a draft who went to college morrissey was obviously a draft and the other guys were all trades and so when you start looking at it like that you're saying okay what's the value of a draft pick and and a draft pick to julian briswa who is building around a specific set of guys who've won him two cups by the way and gone to the finals a third time and you know a first round draft pick in a year or two is is not going to play arguably with steven Stamkos at his best and so that's how you wait it out. But Nashville's an interesting case of, of subtraction. You think of their subtraction, you don't need a rider. Subtracted Geno, um, you subtracted Michael Granlund, you subtracted Matias Ekholm, you don't have Ryan Johansson, and you're one of the hottest teams in the league right now. And, you know, so what you did do is name a new general manager for next year in Barry Trotz. But it, it's remarkable to me, there's always a team that subtracts that now gets, for whatever reason, the right mix of guys in the locker room and on the ice and looks at each other and says, well, clearly our management team doesn't think we're going anywhere. But what about us? What do we think? And and that gets to be a dangerous team.
1: Well, and Nashville is that team right now, although, um, I mean, still six points back at the Jets. But, I mean, it does seem like for the contending teams and teams that have been in the playoffs before, that have had great victories, that have had losses, there is a real premium to be paid on those players with a physical edge to their game. And I think it caught some people surprise with some of the prices that
0: went out, but there's a reason for that. Different types of games. It enables you to play in different types of games. The Leafs did it. Absolutely. Not only Ryan O'Reilly, but, um, but Noel Achari would be one that you would mention. you know, and, but they've tried this before in Toronto and, and it, you know, you've got to fit those guys in as well. Yeah. And you've got to make them a part of things, but. They're, they're important guys in the playoffs because the game's a little bit different in the playoffs, Andrew. And you're playing the same team over and over again. And if you get into a series that doesn't fit your style of play, you're not going to last very long. And sometimes it's that specific matchup. And you know that, you know, there's, there's like, Brendan Dillon will be more valuable in the playoffs than he is. He's a very good regular season player. He's more valuable in the playoffs because they're going to let him play a little more Brendan Dillon type of game. And, you know, he's going to be allowed to clear out the front of the net just a little bit more. And the opposition knows that, and they get a little more reluctant to go there when that's allowed. So that's why that type of game, you're hoping that, you know, Anito rider, he doesn't care. He's going in front of the other team's net. He doesn't care who's there or who thinks they're going to move him out. He's going there. And he's proven that he's going there. And that's when I reference Morgan Barron as, you know, someone who watches Anita rider sitting on the bench and watches and says, You know, that that power play goal he scores the other night is that's a front-of-the-net goal. He's in the crease when he bangs that in.
1: Well, we spend a lot of time obviously talking about Niederreiter, but I'll tell you what, um, Nemetsnikov had himself a weekend as well. I mean, a couple goals. And, I mean, this is a guy that was supposedly coming in as a depth player in the bottom six, a fourth liner. Um, He's playing important minutes on the second line Is scoring. And he's got a level of defensive responsibility that I'm not sure a lot of people knew that he had that club in his bag. But it's been on display a number of times. And I'm sure it's been putting a smile on Rick Bonus's face.
0: The one person on our panel who sort of lit up over that was Mike Johnson. And on trade deadline day, he said that's a really, really sneaky good pickup for Winnipeg. Because he was a little bit under the radar. He'd been moved. And, you know, he does have the first-round pedigree. And has played different roles in different places, and sometimes you just get him at a perfect time in his career. And I think maybe that's what happened. But even being able to step up short term and fill a bigger role, and and then now this is what's going to happen: Dubois comes back, nemestnikov drops back down in the lineup. If that's your fourth line center in the playoffs, you know after after Shifley, Dubois, and Larry. Man, you're in good shape. You're in really good shape because you have no qualms about running four lines out there.
1: Well, and you know, and he was playing with Lowry and Barron when he first came into mm-hmm. the lineup. And I, I think you know, with the way things looked last night, maybe they keep Appleton there, but certainly a few more uh, options for Rick Bonus. Listen, Dave. Before we go, I know you did the Ottawa Calgary game last night. And you know we haven't really been focusing very much on the rest of the West. It's been about the Calgary Flames and a little bit the Nashville Predators because of where the Jets were. Obviously, their playoff situation looks a lot better after the two wins on the weekend and that... Tough loss for Calgary at home to the Ducks. But um, what did you see at Calgary? What do you make of their situation right now? And this playoff race for that final wild card that right now, I guess the Jets are a point up on uh, Colorado if they got the three games. But Calgary is the team that we really have thought that, you know, might have the ability to make a real push. Uh, Do you believe in them? And what did you see from them last night coming off
0: that tough loss at home? Well, jacob markstrom was really good when he had to be at certain points of that game last night and he's he's a huge part of that team and if he's playing like he has played in the past you're not asking somebody to do something he hasn't done he's done it but he hasn't done it this year with consistency and they're a team that we talk about pieces all the time and jonathan huberto is he going to end up with half of the number of points that he had last year and you're certainly not you know you say okay it's going to take him time to adjust it's the first time he's been traded don't forget, he wasn't the one asking to get out of Florida. <laughs> you know, All of a sudden, he's out of Florida. And it has really taken him time to find him's game. And, you know, he scores a goal last night. Cadre had a couple of assists last night. But the new pieces there, is, as well as they looked in the summer, if you think about the two GMs in the summer, you could have said had the best summers. You'd say it was Brad Treleving who rebounded from losing, you know, the guys that he lost in Goudreau and Kachuk and, and Pierre Dorian. You know what, added Durinket and added Talbot and, and brought Claude Giroux in, and, and and yet it doesn't always work out. And in, in, in Ottawa's case, Giroux has been a, a magnificent find. And you would say, well, you were hoping for more from Durinket. So just as Calgary is hoping for more from Huberto. And it hasn't worked out. There's still time left, but it's getting shorter. They're in a games-played situation as well. If you're Winnipeg, you just worry about yourself. And you don't, you don't even... You know, don't look askew. Just look down at the schedule and say, here's what we've got in front of us and here's the next game.
1: Well, speaking of that, the next game as they run the gauntlet through uh, this road trip is the Carolina Hurricanes, the one team in the East that didn't make the massive big swings at the deadline, adding Gossips and Pully RV. Not sure how much you've seen of Carolina lately, but uh, they're not a team that we get a lot on television, Dave. Just before we go, uh, what should the Winnipeg Jets be ready for tomorrow night and what should Jet fans look forward to on this finale before the team comes home to take on the Boston Bruins?
0: they're good they're quick they play really hard um they play well without the puck i think they were looking to get a little heavier maybe for the playoffs and that's why they were in the Timo meyer deal to try and change the makeup of their team they knew it would have cost them somebody and and they chose not to make the deal um or jersey outdid them on the back end of the deal they're not sure who's playing net for them and if you look it's kind of weird you know uh the young kids' numbers are really good. But if look, look at the number of games played. I think it's 23, 22, and 21 for their three goaltenders. So I don't think at this time of year, they're even sure who their number one guy is. You might say, well, it's Freddie Anderson. Is it Freddie Anderson? You know, or they want Kachetkov to play, or is it Ante Ranta, who's had a, a terrific year? So that's the one variable with, with Carolina. I like their team. I love the way they play. I'm not sure who their goalie is in the playoffs. Strange things about
1: Carolina is that after uh, everything they've done this year, they've been shut out on back-to-back nights, and uh, all of a sudden they get a Connor Hellebuck that looks a lot more like Connor Hellebuck than uh, the guy that had uh, a few ups and downs over the last couple weeks. Dave, uh, a great day to talk to you. We're feeling a little bit better right now, but it's going to be a continued push to the playoffs. Can't wait to do this again real soon, and we'll look forward to seeing you on TSN this week. Thanks so much.
0: Enjoy the hockey, Andrew.
1: All right, great stuff, as always, with TSN's Dave Poole and Jeff Hamilton coming up in just a second. Got to give a big shout-out to our friends over at Royal Sports. I have a feeling there might be a few Jet fans that are rolling into Royal to get a number 62 Niederreiter jersey. What a great addition he has been. And hell, Vlad Mesnikov had a big, big weekend as well. Um, Whether you're looking for a 7 or a 62 or your favorite Jets player, Royal Sports has you covered with all the jerseys, including the new retro reverse. Uh, Names, numbers, uh, get it all for you. And listen, if you're not looking for a jersey, but just some other Jets merchandise, Royal sports is the uh, best store you've ever been to when it comes to that thousands of pieces of jets, merchandise, tons of exclusives, not to mention Winnipeg blue bomber gear, gear from around the national hockey league, NFL, major league, baseball, NBA, international soccer, and more snowboards, boots, bindings to get you ready for spring break. And still the undisputed, Undefeated heavyweight champs of all things hockey. Great late season deals as well in the stick department, including 50% off on a number of Warrior makes and models. Royal Sports 750 Pemina Highway. Check them out on Instagram as well at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Fellas, if you're looking to upgrade your wardrobe game heading into a spring and summer, you need to talk to Andrew and the gang down at F Apparel at 190 Smith Street downtown. The leaders in custom clothing and suits for men with those custom suits starting at just 400 bucks. The entire process was a breeze. Uh, we popped down, figured out what color we want, which fabric, styles, get measured up, and a few weeks later, you got a beautiful new suit custom made to fit by the experts over at F. More than just suits, though, custom shirts tucked and untucked golf pants chinos so much more best uh, best selection of men's accessories as well uh and fellas if you're in a wedding party 15 percent off for the entire wedding party when you get your suits at f apparel and if there's a 2023 grad in the audience or in the family hook the young man up with a brand new custom suit and f apparel will throw in a custom shirt and tie Valued at about 150 bucks. F apparel, make an appointment online at f, that's E P H or pop down and see him at 190 Smith Street. And uh, tell you what, it's going to be a busy, busy week. Uh, big Jet games Tuesday and Thursday, as well as the weekend. We've got AEW on Wednesday. Uh, might be a great spot to get together with the gang at your local Boston pizza to watch the games. If you're not going to be at the venue, at least Thursday night when the Boston Bruins are town, no better place to watch the Winnipeg Jets than BP. Devour those delicious Boston's Wings, gourmet pizzas, ice cold schooners, and more. And if you're staying home, you can always get the great taste, including some of their new feature menu online at bostonpizza.com all right let's get the hammer in here jeff hamilton from the winnipeg free press joins us now what's going on how was your weekend my weekend was
6: good uh had it off uh you know i was not feeling too great over the weekend but um you know managed to take some me time and uh certainly it was uh i don't know it went too quick i can't believe it's monday good news is i have today off and i'm uh, back at, back at it tomorrow actually getting back early i was supposed to have tomorrow off but the the bombers and the CFL decide to have some kind of announcement tomorrow over some some little thing or whatever.
1: Yeah, a little a little event that might be here in twenty twenty five. Well, I mean, listen, the Jets had a great weekend. We'll get to that in a minute, but why don't we quickly start on that? I know you reported it earlier. Uh, we've been expecting the Grey Cup to be coming back to Winnipeg, and it sounds like tomorrow was going to be the date where uh, that is made official.
6: Yeah, you don't have the uh, you don't have the CFL and the and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. You know, team up for a, a press or a yeah press conference, and then invite the uh, premier and the mayor <laughs> and every other minister of sport that they can uh, toss in, and not have some you know some some kind of grandiose news. Look, this is these been, aren't
1: just their takes on uh, the off season editions. This isn't just a, this isn't a new logo reveal.
6: <laughs> this are new jerseys. This is uh, yeah essentially going to be putting a stamp on on the Winnipeg taking over the twenty twenty five. Great cups and celebrations, and then you know, as anyone who's been following along, I think Winnipeg was disappointed—is the word—probably a bit disappointed that they didn't get didn't get it in twenty twenty four. The way it works now is teams now bid for the games. It's, it, it doesn't go to just whoever hasn't had it for a long time, as it has it had been done for forever. And so, you know, up against the BC Lions team that has Amar Doman as their owner and has been very much like a Wade Miller in a lot of respects in in the sense that he puts a lot of work and effort and time into the game day experience. You knew he was going to also have a great package for the CFL and ended up winning the 2024 bid. So it just felt inevitable that given all the effort and time and, and money that the province and city was willing to give as part of, Winnipeg's bid that they would they would get the next one so almost feels a little bit too soon to be to be announcing it but I guess they want to create the buzz and and get things going for for what should be a great celebration of course after the next two great cups which is uh Hamilton this year and then uh, and then BC twenty four before arriving in Winnipeg.
1: Well, I, I mean, listen, I think it fits in with the. Uh, I mean, I think Winnipeg deserves it. I think as a host city, uh, we're a place where the Canadian Football League really means something. Winnipeg's at the top of the list. We all know about the success of the team over the last few years, and man, now we can start thinking about, and again, it's I, we're going to win the Grey Cup this year and next year, but that will be a huge, huge year for the football team with the potential of maybe playing in the big game on home turf for uh, for the first time ever. Um, obviously, we'll look forward to you reporting on all of that tomorrow. We'll hear what comes out of the presser, uh, but let's get to the weekend for the Winnipeg Jets. I was pretty clear. I mean, this was a crisis, if you ask me, Jeff. I mean, the team hadn't played well for an extended period of time. All the gains that they'd made in the first half of the season had just about been erased. And then they hit the road after two disappointing losses where they actually played quite well at home and get four massive points against Florida and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, How... What did you think about the the teams play on the weekend and the bottom line, which was getting maybe the two most desperately needed wins in a long, long time that I can remember?
6: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think it looked it looked better. It, it's been looking better for a bit now, a um, couple games, and it certainly. I think I think you could even argue that the Jets played better leading into this trip, um, even than on Friday or or on Saturday, sorry, and again last night. Um, but but got the results, and I you know I'm certainly impressed with but taking, you know, getting those points. And and the biggest takeaway for me in, in this, you know, in, in these last two games, outside of improved structure, outside of rising to the occasion with adversity against the Tampa Bay Lightning was, you know, with, with putting together, even something as small as a two win run here, you're no longer in the convert, just in the conversation about, about fighting for that wildcard spot, right. One of the two wild card spots, you're now in the conversation of being in the top three in the division and you keep your hopes alive for that, you know, and, um, and maybe just maybe this is an opportunity for Winnipeg to go on a little bit of a run. Now that's going to be, very tough here with uh you know carolina hurricanes up on on tap here to close out the three-game road trip and then of course having the mighty boston bruins you know show up in winnipeg um in your first game back and then back on the road but um certainly an opportunity to inject some good feelings some um, maybe some reminiscence of earlier in the season particularly last night's game and the fact that you know you're losing josh morrissey i don't think a lot of people will have you to win that game even even though tampa bay played the night before um you know i i think that, that that's a tough one to win be able to carve out that victory against a good tampa team one that you know mind you has been struggling of late um but still is still a solid team and, and is playing on home ice to go out there and get and get the victory um hold on for the victory i think was a massive piece um for this team's confidence and, and certainly some some things along the way i mean when we talked about but when we talked on Monday last, last week, it was, you know, getting some of those good feelings in. OK, that's check because winning matters and winning, you know, breeds more winning. Um, and just again, let's guys kind of take a bit of a deep breath and not have to answer questions after every practice and game on what went wrong and what part of this period sucked and why is the power play Brutal And then what happened to the penalty kill? Well, you know, I thought, you know, some of those things were rectified over the weekend. Now, you know, look at the pe- start with the penalty kill just in the, in the sense that they, they struggled against the Panthers allowed three goals against and I think and then, then came up massively against Tampa, particularly on that 62 seconds of, of five on three. I mean, Connor Halbuck has a lot to say for that to be sure, but, um, certainly, a, certainly a great rebound from them. And then, a, then a power play that, you know, came alive. I know they allowed a shorthanded goal, but they needed an injection of confidence more than anybody else. And I, would heard you talking to Dave, uh, you know, in last segment, it's, it's a great point. It, it's tough to get out of a funk in power plays sometimes because teams are kind of finding out what you're doing. It's the, it's the, it's the most scouted part of of your game I and mean, when, when people talk about pre-scouts usually they're talking about you know of course they're going over five on five play but that's certainly more fluid outside of you know maybe breakout systems or four checks um, if you really want to get a pulse on a team you know if you really want to get a, an idea of what a team's doing um, it's the special teams and so I think that was certainly weighing on this team certainly with all the changes that on the power play for them to finally get something going I think that was a massive a massive boost, and then, and then, you know, I kind of alluded to it, but Connor Hellebuck, let's face it, he needed a game like yesterday, you know, and he needed to come up big. He needed to have, you know, he needed to give his team a chance to to win with timely saves, things that we've seen him do for much of the season. So all things considered, I think this was a, you know, it's certainly a great start. Uh, for the Winnipeg Jets and 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 at least at least for now changes the narrative here of of you know how this team's bleeding and you know there's no way they're going to make the playoffs and here come the Calgary Flames um you know putting together back to back wins on back to back nights certainly helps uh change all that
1: well it, it, exactly um and you know I tweeted this last night I mean I can't remember two wins that this team needed so badly uh, you know at times I mean I remember the when the team was really struggling a couple years ago at the end of the year um and it was very late in the season and it was a shortened season um but they got that win against Paul uh for the Paul Stasny 1000 game and that sort of just eased the, the temperature around the club but I mean there was no other way to put it Jeff I mean the team hadn't been playing well they hadn't been getting results they played a little bit better last week but we were at a point in the season where There's no style points. There's no um, consolation prize for playing well if you don't get the points. And then you looked at the schedule going forward, back-to-back in Florida, Carolina, Boston, with what Calgary was playing, and there was a very realistic chance that if this team didn't do what they did on the weekend, you could be talking about a a team that was literally at the playoff line or potentially behind them later on this week. So – um, you're exactly right. And I think it, it it gets some good feelings back in the room. Uh, it helps with the confidence. And I mean, individually, there were some big things that happened. Nikolai Ehlers scoring against uh, against uh, the Panthers. And I'm not sure if you saw it. The TV had a pretty good um, good camera shot of him close up, and he basically just exhaled and said, "It's about effing time." So you could tell that he was really feeling it. Kyle Connor didn't score. Mark Shifley did though. A couple connor has been getting his chances, and maybe most importantly as a group, that power play unit did click because, as we've mentioned, there have been some points in the standings left on the table that wouldn't have been if the Jet power play could click, and special teams are such a big, big part of you know winning and getting points right now. The penalty kill, for the most part, has done that, but on a night where the penalty kill wasn't up to their usual standard – it was the power play in a lot of ways, and some of the top guys that had been a little cold that ended up being difference makers. And uh, that's huge for Winnipeg.
6: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talked about this for weeks now is you know, if if your top guns aren't gonna be scoring five on five, that's a problem. It's particularly an issue when they're not scoring five on four or five on three on the man advantage. I mean, that's that's what I mean, essentially what you get paid for. And if you can't be scoring when you have more players on the ice, um, you know, your value is, is is certainly is going to be questioned and, and you know, or at least criticized um, moving forward. And I mean, I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, a lot of talk about the bottom six and the depth score and how that kind of dried up. I mean, to your point, yeah, there was a resurgence from the top line. They carried the jets against the floor in the Florida game. And then what happened against Tampa, the bottom six shows up, you know, guys decide, you know, guys Guys decide, you know, that they're going to chip in. And Morgan Barron finally finally makes good on a glorious opportunity, right? I mean, I'm sure his – I would have loved to see his heart rate monitor on the bench when they went and reviewed the play – uh, for for goaltender interference because I think he's probably thinking, are you kidding me? You know, finally get, finally finish on, a, on an opportunity here, and, and now they're now they're reviewing it. Um, you know, I don't know where, where your head was at. I I I think the call was the right call to confirm the play. I just w- with what we've seen in the past, I felt like even that little bit of contact in the blue paint, regardless of, and I think they identified Vasilevsky sliding over to the right and not being in a position to you know to to kind of. To, to get back to his feet and, and make that save. Uh, I think that was the ultimate, you know, decision or, or factor in the decision. But, um, you know, the fact that he's he's able to make good and, um, you know, I, I just – I think it was an all-around you know, all injection of life into this team, whether it's, you know, from the goaltending to the blue line. I mean, you know that with Josh Morrissey out against Tampa, that that blue line, you know, knew they had to up their game, knew they had to make the most of their opportunity. For guys like Dylan Sandberg, who – you know, I've been in and out of the lineup, and you know, I don't. You know, I think I'm with a lot of people that don't necessarily agree with how often he's been taken out of the lineup. Um, it's certainly not an indictment, in my opinion, of his play. Um, but you know, for him to take advantage of that role with Dylan Demello and and play the way he played and, and log more minutes, I think he got a, close to 18 minutes and on in Sunday's game. I mean, that that's that's part of the everyone pulling on the same rope mentality that we saw earlier in the earlier in the season. I don't know if they need to dust off that pledge that they signed in Banff and and whatever, or just look at these last two games, but that's what I felt from these last two games it was a complete team effort that, you know, if one if one line wasn't going at a certain point, there was another line that was stealing momentum and vice versa as the game went on. And, um, you know, like I said, whether it's the goaltending, the blue line, forward, special teams, uh, that's the injection of the boost that they needed. And they needed against a uh, you know, against decent teams. Like, you know, you can make this statement that you know florida is that you know they're obviously trying to fight their way into the eastern conference playoffs and Tampa Bay certainly has been playing their best, but they're still good teams. And, you know, they demand that you play your, you know, you they play your structure. And um, I think that's one of the silver linings and not just what we've seen the last two games, but what we're going to see here coming up here is playing against teams like the Boston Bruins and the Carolina Hurricanes force you not to cheat the game. Um, and I think that's what the Jets need. I mean, of course they need victories in, um, in this, but I think they need some consistency in their play. And when you play against top end teams that don't allow you to kind of run roughshod, like you know, a team like Edmonton Oilers. I mean, they're they're a good team, but they're a team that if you want to play wide open hockey and you want to go back and forth in a shootout, they're more than willing participants. They have a bit of they're similar to the Jets in that respect, where they have a little bit of a lack of discipline in the structure of their play. When you play against top end teams like Carolina and Boston, they don't just force you they demand you to play within your structure and will take advantage of you if you don't so that's the kind of benefits i see in the next two games in particular here i know they're tough opponents we know the jets historically aren't that great at the end of road trips so it's going to be a tough goal in carolina carolina is also going to be an ornery team of uh, a ornery team of Given what they've, you know, given their performances of late, so
1: they've been shut out and back to back. Yeah, so
6: they're not going to be happy. So I mean, and and Boston, we've seen what Boston's done. So I think it's just going to up the Jets' game and and win or lose. I think we're going to have a a more consistent club here, one that's going to get ready and knows to what level they need to play here as as we get down to the final. You know what are we at? 15 games here. By the time they get home, be 14. By the end of next week, it'll be less, of course. So this is the this is the stretch. This is when you gotta this is when you gotta turn things on. And and while you'd love to to go into the playoffs winning your last 10 games, if you can put together a good record, but more importantly have your game where you need it to be, I think that's gonna that's gonna uh, you know go well, bode well for you as a, in the final stretch as you try to jockey for your position in the playoff. In yeah, the I,
1: I mean as I said, I promised to put a positive spin or a positive face on for Friday's show after we were pretty all this. Disappointed on Thursday. Uh, And I did say, and again, this was we were looking at, you know, best case scenarios for this trip. And one of those was that, you know, these these daunting teams like Florida, Tampa, Carolina, Boston actually brings out the best of the Winnipeg Jets. And I mean, I think the energy, the compete level, especially last night, was exactly what Rick Bonus was hoping to see out of his club. Um, And they got the results most importantly, and are now feeling a little bit better going into this game tomorrow against Carolina. Last week we spoke coming out of the trade deadline. And um, obviously there were many differing opinions on what the Jets and the general manager should have done in and around the deadline. Some, thought they should sell. Some thought that they should be mortgaging tons of future assets, and listen, everyone's going to have their own take on it. We know what did happen. All that being said, man, have those two acquisitions made by Sheveldayoff panned out. I mean, Niederreiter has been arguably the Jets' best and most consistent forward since he got here, Mm -hmm. and holy smokes did Dometnikoff show how versatile he is playing up in the top six in the absence of Pierre-Luc Dubois and making a huge impact on the weekend.
6: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's been, you know, there's been this narrative that you know the play of, you know, Nino Niederreiter and and Nemestikov is somehow you know, I don't know, like we like all of a sudden people should be looking at the trade deadline as some kind of victory. I think there's certainly big, great pickups. I agree with you wholeheartedly on Nino Niederrider being. You know the probably the guy the forward that's setting the example right now, particularly you know whether it's from a scoring perspective or or really just a you know give a crap meter. I mean, I think that's what they brought him in for was a guy who was going to be consistently hard to play against. That you know played a heavy game that you know got in people's grills, brought in some of that emotion, right? I think right. I mean, right immediately from his first game. I mean, it was a bit of a questionable hit in that LA game, but that got the team riled up. I mean, this team needs to be forced into emotion. You know they—they're not a team that goes out there and runs guys. They're not like you know. I think we talked about this before about the drop in hitting over time. You know they were a heavier team earlier in in the in the season when they had a lot of their you know a lot of guys out or injuries and were forced to kind of play deeper in their in their depth chart. But um, you know Nino is certainly you know has come as advertised, and I think his his addition was celebrated as a, as a good move. Nemestikov not, not as much, um, but all, but was still viewed as a positive move for, for the Winnipeg Jets um, in the fact that it was going to boost their, boost their bottom six. And now here he is, you know, highlighting, um, you know, on the top six and, and playing extremely well. My point in that is not so much that somehow that, should change the narrative of the of the of the trade deadline. I mean, those were those those are pieces that you didn't have to give up the farm for. Didn't the have to make changes. A big also,
1: depending on who you're talking to, I well, mean, no, like well, very for, different for narratives. For when sure, it comes but to I think that.
6: a lot of people. I think most people still were disappointed, and I think most people. I think this might even add to their disappointment in some ways, right? Because these two players are panning out. They are panning out. Why wouldn't you get more? right they wanted more than this this is this was the you know the 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 complimentary piece of the bottom 6 a, a key for you know Nino Niederreiter is a great player and he's playing extremely well but he wasn't one of the high end players on that board if you were to get more players if added another you know get a d man Look, the way the Jets are configured right now, they're not a Stanley Cup contender. I'm sorry. Nemestikov and Nino rider, and I don't want to burst this positive okay, bubble. Okay, let me ask here, you this though. Do Stanley you think Cup that there's
1: someone on available that made the Jets a Stanley Cup contender?
6: I don't know. I wasn't in those rooms, Haas. I,
1: I, you know, no, I but anyone things. that was traded. I mean, we talk about all the big guys, and Timo Meyer. Yeah, you don't think the one uh, thing Jets getting Jacob
6: Chikorin wouldn't be a better team right now, along with Nino Niederreiter and Domestik? No, role? no, but the
1: question, the question is, does that make them a, stan- a legit Stanley Cup contender? And when I look at the East, I mean, I certainly wouldn't be making that argument.
6: Oh, for sure, but I think that makes them a contender in the West. You know what I mean? They don't have to lucky is they don't have to go through the East. They're a Western team. So they don't, you know, I think that like we talked to the narrative going into the, the for the Jets heading into the hanging into the, the trade deadline was how the, the West was the wild, wild west. It was up for grabs. And so it's great that these two pieces hit, that Nameshikov's playing well. And it's going to be very interesting when Pierre luc Dubois comes back in the lineup where you put him, or if you move him from the top six. And Nino Niederreiter, Rider, same thing, as advertised, playing a heavy, great game adding another high-end guy. I mean, whether or not you want to call them contenders or not, it's certainly moved more in that direction than where they are now because as they are now, I mean, they're, you know, they might do well, but they're literally leaning on the two guys that they brought in, uh, you know, for at the deadline. I mean, that's nothing to take away from Mark Scheifele, who played a great game over the weekend and and other guys. But, you know, I, I'm just I'm just not like there's a, there's so much hype from these two guys. And, and, and for me, I mean, I look at this as being, uh, you know, a great, two great pickups to be sure. And shoveled deserves credit for that. But at the same time, you know, if you would have, if you would have got another piece that would just put the jets in a better spot because as good as these two games a better are, spot I mean,
1: right now, a better spot right now, but here's the thing. And I mean, I haven't changed my opinion on this at all as great as these guys have been. And as much as they, I think have raised the player, like these guys don't come in for free. I mean, the like, Ottawa traded their first-round pick in this year's draft, two second rounds, and everyone was shocked at how low that price was. Well, then we found out they turned down a couple other offers for multiple first-round picks because they wanted a high pick. The Jets just didn't have that one right now. Um, Obviously, there was a lot into Meyer, and Meyer would have been interesting. He, like Niederreiter, has team control for one more year, and I think there is an option that, you know... If he's not going to re-sign with you, you can turn around and trade him before that. But the bottom line is, where the Jets were, I mean, I would have been nuclear if all of a sudden they went and started trading their first-round pick this year and a number of those top prospects because, um, like, everything comes with a cost. And I certainly wasn't in the position that I thought that, oh, right now, where this team's at, the way they're trending, that this you should be sacrificing future years for this year – um, and to be honest, Jeff, one of the things that's come out of, you know, not getting that, well, oh, we could say what we want. rider's probably been as impactful as just about anyone that's been acquired at the deadline so far. I mean, I guess Orlov's had a really good run. He had some massive points early on, but he's right made around. those other players better. Like, you can bring in, you can bring in those guys, but nothing was happening with the Winnipeg Jets unless the guy, the majority of the roster started to play better and got back into a, uh, into a groove. And I'll say this, even when they were losing the games before, I think Niederreiter has been a driver that's made Shifley and Connor more competitive right now. And the has amazed me. He has amazed me because he started that first game against the Oilers um, last Saturday night, the game that they won playing with Morgan Barron and Adam Lowry. Lowry scored. Barron, since that point, has looked like an entirely different player, even when he was off the line. And, um, you know, sometimes, you know, some fresh blood can actually come in and really, you know, help in a number of ways. I still thought they might have added one more player for the bottom six. But I'll tell you what, a guy like Mason Appleton's really raised his game with one of his best games all season long. I think now with a little bit more competition. Bottom line is, I think the pre- the value of what the Jets gave up made a lot of sense and uh but both of these guys i think have far exceeded anyone's expectations in the short time they've been here
6: yeah i don't i mean yeah i i agree that to a
1: certain degree i mean
6: i don't think nito Niederreier has exceeded anyone's expectations i think they expected him to come in and be heavy and play he's a the 20 way he goal
1: scorer. he's basically been scoring every game i mean like if he did this for an entire season, we wouldn't be talking about a yeah, guy that's okay, traded nice. for a second-round pick. Great
6: weekend, and say if they did this for an eighty-two-game season, that's like it's he's only been
1: here for two weeks. He's well, been know, doing it ever since well. he he's got here.
6: well. I mean, but but like, okay, fine, I'll will I'll, I'll give. He's 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 gone above the expectations of the high expectations people had for him. But it was it's you know, and and that's a great thing. I guess my point here is, and you seem to like arguing with me about this, is that is that at the end of I the do. day, the deadline. Like sorry man you can it's awesome cuz they're probably going to sign they might sign Nino you know Niederreiter to an extension while he's older they might sign Domestikov to an extension while he's older that's going to be great when you don't have Connor Hellebuck you don't have Mark Scheifele no Pierre-Luc Dubois on your on your team so what what are you like you're just a guy with a couple great additions this was a window man this was the one window for winning the Stanley Cup the jets aren't going to you think the jets aren't contenders now the Jets aren't going to be contenders in a year from now, and probably for
1: five years after that. So this idea that okay, like, so hold on a sec, let's get let's dive into that. So, do, uh, Jeff Hamilton has just told us on Winnipeg Sports Talk that Hellebuck, Shifley, and Dubois all gone.
6: I don't think that I don't think you can look at it and say any of those guys will probably be back. Like I, I don't think you can say with a guarantee of any measurable you know any measure of of well, let's certainty talk about hellebuck
1: because i kind of agree about those other guys i think so it's you think, you think his connor hellebuck is is likely to come back here well let's talk about it because i wanted to bring this up elliot friedman today on uh on uh, 32 thoughts was talking about hellebuck and he had said that by this time next year he expects hellebuck to most likely be the highest paid goaltender in the national hockey league mm-hmm. now I guess there's a possibility that it's not in Winnipeg because, you know, they could trade him in the off season, but considering that the jets have him for one more year, he's going to be coming off another incredible season. He will like the jets. I I firmly believe the jets are going to get, I've been saying all year long, Connor Hellebuck's next deal is going to be like a carry price deal. It's going to be eight figures a year. It's going to start with a 10 and it will probably be seven or eight years. Um, if that's on the table from the Winnipeg Jets this summer, how does he not take it?
6: You're asking me a reason why an American-born player who took issue and umbrance of of having a vaccination here and seems to have and has a young family would want would want to have would want to have seen has a young family would want to live in the U.S.
1: Well, okay, put it that, but I didn't say that. I say you don't how think do you, you turn get paid up that somewhere that? else? Well, I guess if you go and have another great season, but. And I so mean that's if he that's doesn't have another great season, this he's happens not get that all money. The, time.
6: the Jets are the really only one who are going to be like in one year his stock's going to plummet if he doesn't have a great season next year. Think
1: like- about the risk. Think about the risk involved in saying no. Ask John Klingberg how that worked. And I know it's a different situation, but Klingberg, well, he got a little greedy. They offered him 8 years at 8 million. He ended up signing 1 year for seven mil and then just got traded for a fourth okay, rounder. Now I'm just saying, we're, we're, if I'm, we're, we're, if you're his agent, what are you telling him? Well, I'm not comparing Take him the to money. John Klingberg,
6: that's for sure. Um, a one, you know, a, an offensive D-man.
1: Uh, I'm just saying a yeah, guy that was you, going into his contract for- season had had a, a, li- a lifetime set for life contract on the table and said no, wanted more and now like it's just a cautionary tale on not taking the money when it's available.
6: Oh, I think yeah, but I don't think I mean so you think he's going to be scared into taking a long-term deal? Like I I just deal? think that
1: if the Jets put forth a contract that he has earned that, you know, that pays him and makes him the highest paid goaltender in the National Hockey League, I think it'd be very hard to walk away from it.
6: Yeah, possibly. And I mean, yeah, maybe he does. And to me, he's the most important one. Like if
1: Hellebuck's here, I think the Jets are contending. Like, you know, maybe not for the Stanley Cup, but I think they're a playoff team. And again, if that's the case, maybe you are trading Dubois, you're trading Shifley, you're getting some young players in. You've got that cornerstone piece of your team that gives you a chance to win every single night. That's why, to me, the priority is Hellebuck and then everything else. Because this story is very like put it this way: your doomsday scenario that you dropped of not contending for five years probably is very realistic if he's not around. So he and wants that's, to
6: be, So, what do you think the team's going to look like if you if you're saying that if you're saying that Mark Scheifele and Pierre Luc Dubois are gone, who's coming in to suggest to Connor Hellebuck that this team? Without you know, you think he likes getting shelled in every night in net. You think that's you know him them losing their top two centermen is somehow going to convince him that money is the most important thing here? And well, that these guys aren't walking away for nothing. nothing.
1: These guys aren't walking away for nothing. I mean, ask me well, who they're, what I mean. who so do they're you getting back. Do you think in players trades?
6: come in. Do you think future picks come in? Like we're playing hypotheticals. Players, so players, what would be a situation sure. besides money? Because I don't think money is going to do be enough. Describe a situation that Connor Helbig is going to want to commit eight years to Winnipeg.
1: Hey, listen. He's been in that dressing room for a long time. I'm not sure that he, if he thinks that he's a leader and is comfortable being here and believes that this team can do things, might not think that some changes of some of the top personnel might not be a good thing. I mean, yeah, but I mean, that's
6: sure, sure. Okay, say that's true. Then, but you still need players coming in to. Here's the thing, though. I think that conversation with him
1: happens before that. Like, to me he's the number one priority would love to hear people's thoughts in the chat as well on this
6: who I missed the I, last part
1: I, I I just said I I mean to me those conversations like once we once they get to the off season, regardless of what happens this year the first thing on the long to-do list of Kevin Dayoff is see what the story is with Connor Hellebeck and whether you can get him signed
6: oh 100 percent yeah I mean no and one's I mean I don't like Dubois. Like we've number heard number one priority the 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 issue is if you could lock down your number one priority and whether or not he'd want to, and whether they're not. He'd want to commit eight years, regardless of it being max money or the highest paid goaltender to commit to Winnipeg. He's gonna want to see some, you know, like I mean, he's been, he's put in his time here. He's been here for for eight years, whatever it is now. Like you know, he's gonna finish his contract here probably. Well, probably not unless they can re sign him. But I mean, I'm just saying, what do you like? Like, you need to convince him to want to be here and being like, hey, man, we're going to be a contender because you're in our net is not a selling point to a goalie. Like, it's a selling point to players. Be like, hey, we got Connor Hellebuck in net. We're going to be contenders. Telling the goalie that, hey, so long as we can rely on you, like we've relied on you your entire career yeah, here. I'm pretty sure that's not the pitch, Jeff. <laughs> well, of course <laughs> I think that's it's not. That's say. what I'm saying. <laughs> of course that's break. not the pitch. But you're not answering my question. What would have to be an ideal situation for him Without convincing him, when I asked you that, you said, "Well, they're going to be a contender so long as he's in the net." Well, what does listen? uh, I don't think this team is.
1: I don't think this team is garbage outside of Connor Hellebuck. I mean, listen, we've seen them do good things before. We'll see what happens this year. I think they've got a lot of young talent coming in. I mean, the NHL is somewhat cyclical, but Mm -hmm. a player like Hellebuck is is a guy that you build your team around, and I think before that hasn't really been the case. I mean, there's a lot of things and I mean I don't know him well enough. He seems to be one of the more interesting dudes that I've come across before. But like I don't get like I don't get the inkling at all that there's something else elsewhere that Winnipeg just can't compete with. I mean to me I think that he needs to be rewarded as the franchise player that he is. And believe me, he is the franchise player here in Winnipeg. I don't think you're going to disagree with me on that.
6: Absolutely and not. If, He's and the if most he, important if, player on this team by it,
1: far. For sure. For sure. So, um, like, I don't see anything that would prevent the Jets from giving him that King contract that you get once in an entire year. Not to mention the significant risk that goes with not taking that. Um, I mean, it, to me, it's very different than all of those other players. And it is honestly the linchpin for what happens going forward. But, I mean, have we ever heard anything from Connor? Like, this is not a Pierre-Luc Dubois situation, in my, in my opinion, at all. I mean, I think they've got a better chance of doing it with him than either of those other guys. And I'm not even sure it's close. Partly because I think they'll be willing to do exactly what it's going to take. And that's probably making him the highest-paid player goaltender in the National Hockey League. I don't know if there's a lot of people that would disagree with that. We had a great conversation with Mike Kelly about it a few weeks ago from NHL Network. And he was sort of, you know, mentioning the risk of signing players to contracts in and around 30 years and goaltenders. And the end result was you can't afford not to. Um, and that's why, I mean... You, like I don't think that there's a huge sales job as far as like giving writing out the plan for the next 4 years. I think it's pretty simple. You see the way things that things that are going, there will be some changes. We've got some young players in, but this team this team will go as we go with you as our leader. Here's the check. And the rest is history.
6: Yeah, I know all that you said. I just, I, I, I'm saying, I think it's a no-brainer. I think uh, what I'm suggesting is max deal, max term, max money is not going to be enough without more in there. With, with and, and that more being, you know, some kind of suggestion that this team's training upwards. I don't think Connor Hellebuck wants to be, go through a rebuild. Now, here's the interesting part in that is, I don't think that the only way the Jets don't go into a rebuild and can retools if they re sign Connor Hellebuck. That's the only. So I agree. You know, so, I agree. I, so for him, it's not like you can give him more money. Like, I mean, I guess you can give him more money. Like, if you wanted to beat anybody else by a couple million dollars a year, yeah, you can be that, you know, you could probably win it. I just don't think money is going to be enough. He makes a lot of money. He's going to make a lot of money no matter where he goes. And, you know, the comments I made about, about the, the, the COVID and U.S. stuff, not about him being an anti-vaxxer. It's about him, about Americans wanting to play in Canada, or sorry, in the U.S., and this whole COVID has created a little bit of tension. Guys want to go back to the States. Trust me, I talked to a lot of them. COVID has changed their opinion of playing in Canada in a lot of respects. There's been articles written about it. This isn't some you know random thing i bring up two and years got, ago for sure right he's, now he's, is he's that got really a young issue? Chi- sure he's got a young child too like to me and the lot taxes of guys-
1: are way more of an issue than anything know, that do and, with and there COVID. you go there's
6: taxes too but like the, like the, i am just saying to be like this is our pit like we need to sign you so you can be our pitch to other players is not the pitch i think connor hellebuck is looking for i think he wants to have a core there I think he wants to have a leadership group. I think he wants to be able to look into the future and know that that this team is going to win, not in three years' time, not for the final couple years of his contract, not for the last half. Right now, he wants to win a Stanley Cup. He's won a Vesna. Okay. He's done he's he's should probably have two Vesnas. He, you know, he's done it. He's been an all-star. He's going to, you know, he's probably, he's going to go to the Olympics if they ever go back. He wants to win a Stanley Cup. And unless he knows he can win, a, unless he has the confidence that he can win a Stanley Cup here, I'm sorry, but I don't think money is going to matter at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I think there's still a lot to play for this year, especially when it comes to that situation. I mean, if this weekend was a complete mirage and they ended up blowing out the rest of the season and missing the playoffs... I think that makes it a lot more challenging. But, I mean, if this team does make the playoffs, and regardless of what happens, plays well, maybe they lose in the first round. Let's say they get to the second round and lose to Colorado Avalanches. Take that. I think you're looking at a team that has made strides from the last couple very disappointing years. I mean, where they missed the playoffs, where they were yeah, out right just, you away. you
6: just gave them a second-round berth. Like, what do you mean? Let's let's go back and say they lose well, in five games in the first. Then what well, happens? That, well, What's the I, suggestion I, I mean, they're going to be in the second round? I don't know how you can add that No, I didn't limit. say
1: that they were going. I said, let's just say – I mean, let's say given this scenario, they go to the playoffs and they don't get out of the division, but they they lose in the first or second round. I'm not sure it's a massive difference. Yeah, it depends on the series. I think that Losing would be a trend Losing in the first and second forward.
6: round is a massive difference.
1: Okay, well especially
6: if you're gonna talk in the context of this team making strides towards doing things, losing in the first
1: round again. Well they missed the playoffs last year. I mean, how can so if they make the playoffs and are competitive in it, that is a step forward from last year, right? Sure. Okay, so that that is what I'm saying. If if that is the scenario, and it could be better, it could be worse. But I mean, I don't see any I listen. It, I would be shocked if that would be, okay, listen, I'm out of here and I'm not resigning again. I mean, if he's treated well, he's paid what he's worth, I think it would be negligent on the agent not to get that done. Because, I mean, I think there are too many risks when it comes to injuries and those sort of things. When you're talking about a contract that's going to take you to the rest of the way, and I mean, listen... You don't think that if there was some concerns about where the team was going to be, that there wouldn't be, you know, if I want out, if I want to get a trade in a few years, that could be talked about. If they're not where they're at, of course it could. But it's that security for the family and being paid. I don't think that he's not a competitive guy and wants to be the highest paid goaltender in the national hockey, league if he thinks he deserves it. I think that he has, and I certainly don't close the door on, on anything like that. And to be honest, I think considering how important it is to the Winnipeg Jets, um, if they can't get that done, it's it, it adds so many more issues to the club. And to be honest with you, looking at history, they haven't done a very poor job of when it comes to re-signing players. I know we can focus on Truba who wanted to trade and obviously this Dubois situation. But other than that, in that room with guys that he's played his entire career, including himself with a pretty nice extension... They have been pretty successful with that, despite being in Winnipeg and despite all the naysayers saying that they weren't going to get it done with those players before.
6: I'm sorry, you like so. I guess I guess to make one thing clear, I'm not closing the door on signing Connor Hellebuck. I seem to have been playing devil's advocate to this particular. You know, we've we, we've now found ourselves on two sides of the line. We both agree that Connor Hellebuck is a top priority. If the, the Jets should be doing everything and anything they possibly can to sign him i just i think they me, can I just sign him think long think term this tough. but i also think like but i also think you know to your last comment about okay well what is this core done like what do you mean like i don't think this core has suggested that they're on the brink of anything special or have been i mean they got one run under their belt unless you know so there isn't like this i mean this is what we've been talking about for weeks if not months if not years is that you know, there's like, we're talking about, oh, Mark Scheife is going to sign this massive deal. And, you know, Pierre-Luc yeah. Dubois is going to sign this massive deal. And, you know, all these guys I, are going I, to-
1: By the way, I sure as hell haven't been saying that. I don't think that's happening with either of those guys here. In well, America. no, I'm just
6: saying in general, like, they, they weren't, not here or any, just anywhere. Like, you know, like, oh. these guys are going to move on. This core is going to move on. They're going to sign elsewhere. They're going to sign big money. Well, okay, that's that's possible. And, and while each of them have had a lot of individual success, they haven't had a lot of team success. Like, you know, they haven't won anything. They You know, they went on one cool run in 2018. We talked about this last week. And they really haven't done anything. So you want to talk about improvements from last year. I don't think Connor Hellbuck or any player in this in this core group that is looking at signing an extension, is looking at committing their future to this organization. Well, let me ask you this, at,
1: based on that, because I do hear well, that. Or we finish.
6: It's like from last year to this year's improvement, they're looking at the time they've been here throughout the entire process. And they haven't done much of anything.
1: Well, I mean, they've made it to the conference finals. I mean, how many teams outside of the Avalanche that won the cup last year in the West have done anything? I mean
6: What do you mean outside like, of the West?
1: But, no, in the West. Like I mean, teams that make the
6: playoffs continuously win rounds, there's not a ton of them, but they make moves in chains. Like you know that that that's that's my point. But but, not-
1: but but like there's no obvious teams. Like I hear that all the time. Why well, this team this team hasn't done anything? I mean, compare them to their counterparts. And again, the Avalanche won last year. They're the champs. Oilers made it to the conference finals last year, which was great. They haven't done anything other than that. Does that count for something? I would imagine it does in Edmonton, and it certainly did. Listen, we're we're getting far removed from 2018, and we've seen sort of the downward trend of this club for the last few years. Uh, I just think that this is another reason why this final 15 games and what happens in the playoffs, I think, will completely create the narrative around the club because halfway through the season, this team was in first place. Well, if you continue on that stretch, it's a great season. You've done a lot. The last couple months and a half hasn't been that way. Um, But again, I I guarantee you this is not the last time we will be having this topic because outside of what's happening on the ice right now, going into the offseason – The future of 37 is here at the top of the list for podcast listeners and everybody else comes after that. And uh, I don't know, it'll be very interesting to see what happens, because I think we are on the same page that if Hellebuck is not going to sign, they need to maximize the value for him. That means he's not there. And that means, to your point, you are talking about a far different rebuild um, than potentially moving a few players, still having an elite goaltender and having a chance to win every night. Hammer, this has been awesome. As always, you bring the best out of me. I try to get it to you. But you did you did some good you did some good um, Devils advocating it today to. Uh, yeah, I
6: don't even know how we went down this. I don't even know where the line of questioning went. I might have mentioned one thing, and then we went in our, you know. But I love debating you. I love. Uh, well, you said, you, said, sure, you said the next sure five years. You said you said the next five
1: years they're rebuilding because all those guys are going, and it's not impossible. It's not impossible. Um, it it it's definitely not impossible. Um, but it but there's a lot of people that will take that narrative and say that well it's a done deal. This is the end of the road and that's it. And I also think it's very possible that that um, he's back, and then they figure the rest out. Uh, what do you got cooking this week? Obviously, the big Grey Cup thing tomorrow.
6: Hey, I'll take it back. I think Kyle Buck signs Max Max deal. I think Pierre Dubois has a change of heart and doesn't want to go to Montreal. I think Mark Scheifele also takes a hometown discount, and the Jets win the Stanley Cup in 2025, the same year the Bombers go five for six in the Grey Cup, and Zach Kleros rides off into the sunset. Is that better? Is that is that more is that more online? Um I got what I got the announcement tomorrow it's ridiculous.
1: I got a CFL I, it'd be great if you were on right Wednesday.
6: But... the CFL, Now you argue against it. The CFL call, call them on on Wednesday and then uh, Jets man I'm off to uh, I'm off to uh, I'm off to Nashville for St. Patrick's Day so that should be fun. Oh. the time for a Saturday uh, day game. Hey, it's an uh, afternoon
1: game. And then it's an I mean, afternoon then, game on yeah, Saturday. Just a heads up. I,
6: I know. I was just saying <laughs> to get ready for an afternoon game. So I might just go straight from Tootsies to Bridgestone <laughs> Arena to still throw away. Uh, from, <laughs> anyways. Um, but, yeah, I got that going. So I got a pretty busy week. And then I, uh, I might stop off for a night in Montreal uh, uh, on Monday before coming home and covering Jets again. So we'll see
1: anything going on at the forum that night you should talk to plD maybe his bank has a spot in the suite for you
6: yeah I'm, I'm gonna be checking real estate uh, I'm gonna be calling real estate agents seeing if any guys on the halves have sold their home to him or renting it out or anything for the summer or anything like that so I'll be I'll have my I'll have my ear ears on the ground then thanks so much for bringing out the the best slash worst to me uh it's hey, always dude, a pleasure I hope I can rile up, do- the, while up could- the, this, the 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 listeners and uh and uh you know i appreciate them even we could do this
1: them. for another couple hours and uh maybe we will hey listen that was awesome pal take it easy uh, have a good one and uh, have a good trip uh get put some things up on the gram
6: <laughs> oh yeah i'll do my best you know traveling solo these days i think kenny might be there with me so that might be might be doing kenny and and jeff uh roadshow thing but we'll see i'll uh, i'll certainly i'll certainly update you one way or the other and i i'm glad we can take some of these debates on on air rather than uh, just in person.
1: <laughs> no doubt. Take it easy, dude. Thanks you so bet. much. All right, there is Jeff Hamilton uh well pushing 500 in the chat. Folks, if you haven't already, hit that red subscribe button. Make sure you subscribe to the Winnipeg Sports Talk YouTube channel and uh, while you're at it, hit that thumbs up too. It would be great. By the way, stay tuned. We do have our AEW contest winner. We'll do that at the end of the program um speaking I, I mentioned the briar what an incredible run for team manitoba and matt dunstone falling just short to brad gushu's team last night um i mean an absolutely legendary performance by gushu they had to be so good to beat manitoba in what was an absolute classic the dunstone team though will be back Um, And we'll look forward to maybe catching up with Dunstone at the Princess Auto Players Championship in a few weeks uh, out in April with two final Grand Slams still uh, together. Of course, all of our curling reports brought to you by our great friends and great sponsors of Curling in Canada, Princess Auto, where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panett Road, Portage Avenue West, you can always shop online 24/7 365 at princessauto.com. Uh our friends at Culligan Water have been they've celebrated over 65 years in business as the go-to people in Manitoba for all things water. Um They've got it all for you and your families, water softeners, filters, bottled water, coolers, whole home systems, and drinking water systems, not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Uh, You can check them out and visit them in person at 1200 Sergeant Avenue. Give them a call at 204-694-5180 and uh, find out everything they can do for you, your home, your family, and business online at Uh, Got to give a big shout out to our friends over at Canadian Club. James just let me know that the CC and Ginger folks is now available in 473 milliliter cans. They're available at liquor marts and at beer vendors if you don't see it at your local spot, just ask for it. And, uh, hey, coming up from the 24th to 26th, uh, flash sale at Manitoba Liquor Marts at the Canadian Club Classic, 12-year on sale for just $24.29, regular $31.99 from the 24th to 26th at Manitoba Liquor Marts, just one weekend only. And uh, coming up on, what, Saturday, the limited re-release of the CC Chronicles 41-year-old. There's less than 100 bottles available. This is the 29, 2019 release of the Chronicles series. They found some extra cases at the distillery in Windsor. So if you're missing this one for your collection, now is your chance. All right, let's get Remo back in here. And uh, Remo, wow, great stuff with Pooley. Hammer and I got down a bit of a road, but you know it is something I wanted to talk about after Friedman's um, uh, mention of Hellebuck and a potential contract for him on uh, 32 Thoughts in that it is going to be expensive. It is going to be long. Um, but to me, it is the the focus for Kevin off at the top of his list amongst many things that will happen regardless of the way this season ends.
2: Yeah, wow. The chat was like... Sitting back like in a circle while you and Jeff were going, they're going, fight, fight, fight. And like, I I think some people were on team Jeff, some people were on team Hustler. You got compared to Skip Bayless versus Stephen A. Smith. Uh, that type of embrace debate. Who is Skip? Um, that's a good question. Who is I don't know who, which one was Shannon Sharp? I don't, I don't know, but it was, um, it was, I was entertained over here so.
1: Well, listen, it's good. Hammer, I love having those conversations with Hammer. You should see us do it over a bar top and a few beers. Um, And listen, sometimes, and I know he was kind of playing a little bit of a devil's advocate, but it does kind of piss me off sometimes where it's just assumed that everything is over for these guys. Now, listen, the Dubois things pissed me off for a long time. And this goes back to last summer, and I'm sure many Winnipeg fans felt the same way with what his agent had said and, You know, at a certain point, if a guy wants out and he doesn't want to stay, that's just the way it is. It happened with Jacob Truba. It'll happen again. But to me, Hellebuck is not that guy. I haven't heard anything would suggest that he wouldn't entertain, um, you know, a true fair market value contract that rewards him for what he's done in Winnipeg. And to me, he's very different, but also more important and also needs to be done first because I think after Hellebuck, You know, certainly that's going to affect your cap significantly for what you're going to have to pay them. And, you know, it it just affects so many things competitively for the club. And to Jeff's point, if in his original thing that I think got us talking about it, I mean, regardless of what happens with Dubois and Shifley, if Hellebuck is not here, um, it's just a totally different story for the Jets. And I mean, let's face it, it's not like there's any young elite goaltending prospects really that we've seen knocking on the door. I mean, the young guys with the moose have been pretty good this year, but I think they're new, but this is very different than before Hellebuck took over as the Jets goaltender excelling at the American hockey league, obviously being an NHL starter and
2: then getting the job and running with it for the last six seasons. Yeah. I agree with you that they need him maybe more than he needs them. But if you offer him, you know, a deal that makes him the highest paid goalie, a $10 million contract, really hard to turn that down it's it's hard so it is that's one of the things that's going to be fascinating if you have hellbuck you're a contender If you don't have him well i think you got to start rebuilding and what you know they is there going to be a full-blown i don't know it's called, a fire sale but a major re major remodeling here with the winnipeg jets with dubois um you know he's an rfa chifley one year away hellbuck one year away and blake wheeler as well, so I mean, great debate. The chat really fired out. But you see, Team Huss versus Team Hammer. Uh, everyone, you know, it's I've never seen it so I, I love divided. It, it was hey, it was very. Th- even. Listen,
1: I gotta. G- I'll give Jeff a lot of credit, um, and he's part of the re- part of the reason why I love having him on the show as much as I do. Um, like like legitimate debates, embrace debate as they say on First Take with my guy Stephen A. Um, some of the best debates that we've had have been with Jeff here on the program. And uh, that I would say was one of them. And it won't be the last time we talk about a situation right now, though, just enjoy what he did for the club on the weekend, bouncing back from a really tough week earlier and an uncharacteristic down game for him on Wednesday against the wild. And that bodes very well for the jets going forward. Um, i Before we get to the cool bet lines and the winner of our AEW contest, a uh, bunch of other things coming from the weekend. Did you watch the epic Canada Great Britain game at the World Baseball Classic that may have set the sport back decades?
2: No, I'll be honest. I haven't watched any of the World Baseball Classic. I did see the Great Britain have these jerseys with like Great Britain just like written like horizontally in aerial font. Maybe the we thought Canada's jerseys were bad at this tournament, but Great Britain's. Uh, I mean, get out of that that jersey matchup. Speaking of setting things back
1: decades, that yeah. jersey matchup between the two teams was as I, I mean, I don't know what went into or who was. I guess there was an Under Arbor jersey that Canada was wearing, but um, you would have thought they could have gotten some better kits for the fellows. Yeah, the, gray, the <laughs> like great
2: like that's Britain the worst jersey. jersey I've ever seen. It just says <laughs> Great Britain, Britain straight, and I uh, usually like. Uh, um, you know, letters on a jersey when it has a T name. is like on a curved, at least. This yeah. is horrible. Like, put in an effort. Uh, like, who's improving this? <laughs> who's Anyways, Canada he's... won
1: an insane game, 18-8. to Cal Quantrill, the guy that was going to be the ace of Canada, didn't get out of the first inning. Uh, they gave up three in the top of the first. They scored five in the bottom okay. of the first and ended up winning 18-8 in 7 World Baseball Classic uh, underway at venues around the world. Uh, Scotty Scheffler ran away with the Players' Championship yesterday on the PGA Tour. Um, Just the run that he's on over the course of the last 14 months, um, truly one of the great stretches in golf history outside of maybe Tiger Woods. I believe six international wins in his last 23 starts, a Masters Green Jacket, And now a players championship, Scotty Scheffler, unbelievable. And some big NFL news, Remo, that we should get to. And I guess we'll start off with the local story first. How about David Onyemata? The former Bison gets paid a three-year, $35 million deal from the Falcons with $25 million guaranteed for the former Bison product, leaving the Saints to go to
2: the... uh, Division rival Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, wow. I remember when he was coming in studio, like was it before or after he got drafted? He was a large individual yeah. with an incredible story coming here, spotted by Brian Doby and recruited to play football while student at U of M. And now he's getting paid sorry twenty-five million guaranteed. Guaranteed. Yeah. Three years oh. thirty-five mil. Oh, good for him. I hope he's partying uh tonight. <laughs> that's that's so awesome to hear. So good. Good for him. And I mean, I'd have nothing else else to add. But yeah, the such uh... a
1: great dude and a big and by the way, the Saints are now paying the price for all that dead cap money. They have, they're gonna lose Anya Mata and probably two others from their line. There's been a bunch of other signings or agreements in the in the NFL. Um, but the big news on Friday was the Chicago Bears trading the first overall pick in this year's draft to the Carolina Panthers. And Remo, the Bears got a haul. They get the ninth overall pick in the draft. They get the 61st pick in the draft. They get a 2024 first rounder, a 2025 second rounder, and DJ Moore, who's only 25 or 26 years old himself. You knew when Houston won that game at the end of the year and the Bears pulled into the first spot, having Justin Fields, that they were going to have some options. And I got to give the Bears credit. I think they did a hell of a job. Um, extracting a king's ransom
2: for that number one pick when they already had their QB. Yeah, I think the best part of the deal is them getting DJ Moore. They've needed a number one receiver. Well, they had uh, who? Alder. They needed a receiver, you know, for a while here. And DJ Moore, you know, he can be that guy. And Justin Fields, he came, had some breakout games running the ball. He's a good thrower. So I do like that deal. And I've read that um, the Bears need to get to the salary cap floor, and adding DJ Moore's salary is pretty helpful for them. And just getting all of those picks when you already have your number one quarterback, uh, very well done for the bears. And I don't know, is there a consensus number one pick this year? And, uh, in the draft? Like, I don't, I don't know if, is this the there's draft to be given? all Quarterbacks. There's four quarterbacks. And I mean, some teams will
1: like, but but there's basically four sort of elite quarterbacks. Bryce young from Alabama was thought to be the number one pick. I've seen a number of mocks think that the Panthers are going to go with CJ Stroud from, uh, from Ohio state. Um, you had, uh, the kid from Florida, Richardson, I believe that basically broke the combine with, uh, all of his measurables coming out of Florida. Um, and, uh, who was the other guy? Will Levis, I guess, in Kentucky was another guy that uh, that they thought would be there. But anyways, four really top quarterbacking prospects. So the Carolina Panthers are gonna get their guy, and I'm sure Frank Reich is happy about it. Um, but a real changing of the guard in Florida or in Carolina over the course of the uh, the last real last twelve months. I mean, when you include the McCaffrey trade during last season, couple other news. Uh, fantasy God Austin Eckler going into the final year of his deal has uh, requested permission to find a trade um, a team that ie a team that will pay him um, Jason Kelsey is coming back for one more year which was great I don't think we a lot of speculation that he was going to retire after the Super Bowl NFL's a great way better place with Jason Kelsey in it um, Jalen Ramsey traded to the Miami Dolphins on the on the uh, weekend And, Remo, as usual, Aaron Rodgers cranking up the drama, making everybody wait, still without a decision on his future as the uh, Jets try to find out whether he's in or out at coming to New York. And the Green Bay Packers seem to be more than willing to uh, trade Aaron for probably a fraction of what they would have gotten last year from the Broncos.
2: Yeah, the Broncos uh, worked out pretty well for the Seahawks uh, that trade. So... Uh, Aaron Rodgers drama. I'm trying not to pay attention. I'm, you know, we're kind of over it. It's like, wait, just wake me up when there's a decision here made. Right. I don't need to hang on Aaron Rodgers every word anymore. Although it's kind of hard not to when you have him involved and New York Jets involved, you're going to be hearing about it. But it seems like this has been going on for a long time and he's gotten more and more. He's came out of his dark room. Do we know what happened after that? Well, no, th- he was supposed to have an answer after
1: the darkness retreat, and um, yeah. <laughs> now apparently um, we're uh, we're still waiting on that. So th- there'll be a lot more NFL news as we get through uh, as we get through this week. And one other football news: NFL and CFL, of course. Remo, legendary coach of the Minnesota Vikings and Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Bud Grant passed away on the weekend, and it sure was something to see, um, to hear the memories of so many that had dealt with Bud over the years. Uh, an absolute icon here in Winnipeg, um, and really the guy that Mike O'Shea is chasing for the best and most successful coach
2: in Winnipeg Blue Bomber history. Yeah, 95 years old, uh, tremendous... Outpouring of support there in social media. 102, 56, and two record in the CFL. Um, I mean, pretty impressive. He's got the statue at IG Field. I remember, he gave uh, the big speech after the uh, unveiling there at at a game. Um, yeah, I mean, legendary head coach, and it's uh, definitely saddened to hear that news over the weekend. He was such a tough sob too. I believe it was the game the Vikings
1: outdoor playoff game at TCF field when it was like minus 20 and Bud Grant went out to do the, uh, I believe it was the coin toss or something like that in short sleeves at, you know, 88 years old or whatever, whatever the number was. He was, um, football guy till he died. Um, RIP to the great Bud Grant, a real loss for both the Minnesota Vikings and the Winnipeg blue bomber community. Uh, all right, before we get to our, uh, AEW winner announcement. Let's get to the uh, Cool Bet lines tonight. Three games in the National Hockey League. We've got the Avalanche in Montreal to take on the Canadians. Avs, a minus 248 favorite. Uh, the Leafs hosting the Buffalo Sabres. Desperate Buffalo team if they're going to get back into the mix for a playoff spot. Leafs, minus 234. And then we've got the Dallas Stars and the Seattle Kraken. And Remo, it's back on my week to do the daily pick for Cool Bet Canada on their socials. And I think I'm taking a new tact on this. I'm just trying to find the overtime game every night. There was five OT games on Saturday, another three last night. Well, the draw over 60 minutes is plus 330. And I think two teams would both happily take the point and fight for a second one. Are the Dallas Stars and Seattle Kraken? So, uh, gonna be hitting that plus 330 tonight on the draw. And, uh, we might be trying to take a tie every week this year because you know what it is it's three point season in the National Hockey League.
2: Yeah, tie every night, uh, every night this week. And it is tie season. We did have a couple of them yesterday. Uh, what Anaheim, uh, coming up, coming up to uh, Nashville there. Cal, um, what was the other one? Sorry, uh, Minnesota and Arizona. Rangers, Penguins, um, there's definitely out there where teams need to make sure they get that point, and I think both teams know it benefits them both. So why even bother scoring in a tight game with like five minutes left? Just like play pretty conservative, get the point, and hopefully you win. So I mean, I did get
1: that feeling. I don't know about you, but I did get that feeling in the final few minutes of Saturday's game uh, against the Panthers. Mm. I mean, that was a point where both it's, of those teams absolutely had to have two, but one was better than nothing, and they weren't going to do anything to prevent that single point from happening. And then, obviously, we know what Mark Scheifele did in overtime towards the end of the five-minute period. I think
2: it's been proven in studies that shot the number of shots decrease in a tie game um, like in these kind of scenarios, uh, people who have looked into it, they're smarter than me. And I think that would make sense, especially in these like non-conference games. Like yeah. go each, take your point and, and go. But we know Dallas is like Mr. Uh, overtime loss team this season. So I would, I would pick them to tie pretty much any night, right? Like how many so, so 12, what is it? Uh, I gotta,
1: 13, I think 13 or 14.
2: Uh, thir- Yes, you are correct. 13, yeah. 13. overtime losses. Same with Scott. Calgary. That's crazy. That's a lot. Looks, Coyotes have I mean, 11.
1: Uh, listen, if the Calgary Flames were a little better in OT or a shootout, um, you're probably talking about a much closer playoff race right now. I and mean, that's the other thing. If you're only getting one point when you go to OT, I mean, I'd imagine with 13, they'd have to be on the wrong end of the ledger. But who knows? Maybe 10 of their 30 wins are also in overtime as well. Uh, all the odds up at Coolbet. Of course, March Madness brackets are out as well. Check out all the futures over at CoolBet. Use the promo code WST on your first deposit. If you haven't played at CoolBet before, hook you up with a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your, uh, on your first deposit over at CoolBet. Um, all right. By the way, I did. I'll throw this again for people that pop by here late. Uh, or it's actually pinned up at the top of the chat or in the description Get your tickets. It's filling up for uh, the Sports Trivia Night, Wednesday, March 29th, over at Little Brown Jug. be a hell of a fun time to get together with the WST crew. First event we did was a big, big hit, and I imagine this will be similar. Not to mention we get to drink all those great beers down at Little Brown Jug in the exchange. So there you go. Check our socials. If you're listening on the podcast, go to the YouTube. In the description of this show... Is the link and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, Reem.
2: Yeah, I was going to say WinnipegSportstalk.com slash links for anyone on the podcast. It has all of our social media links and, of course, important, you know, that ticket info at the top. So that'll have it there. And I will add, yes, follow all the social media links as well, the description down below. Trying to, you know, on here, we're closing in on 9K subs, got over 3K Instagram, closing in 2K Facebook. So uh, help us out, and if you do see our content on there, make sure you're, you're liking it. it. Tells the the almighty algorithms that uh, we're good, and might show it to uh, more more people. Scardy in chat, when is Hus scheduled to present
1: his PowerPoint on the loser point to the NHL meetings in Florida? I'm not joking. I have offered that to a member of the board of governors. I have said it face to face to the commissioner of the National Hockey League, <laughs> and to Bill Daly. Um, they're not having any of it. Sure. Um, that's being said, everything looks a lot closer than it really is. It doesn't help the games and the entertainment value in the last five minutes of these games is impacted. They know it.
2: They just don't want to admit it. Yeah, speaking of the GM's meetings, they are happening right now in Florida. I know Sean Reynolds is there. Um, here, here's what they're talking about, real quick. Uh, coaches challenge. They want expanded for same team high stick penalties. Like when they guy high sticks your own team and they don't yep. know because the game's too fast and incorrect puck over glass calls, I'll just weigh in on that. This shouldn't be up to the coaches to fix the referees' mistakes. Um, they should be able to if it's that obvious. Someone should be able to go down and and buzz the ref and change it. it I don't think. Yeah, it should but be what up if it's them. not that obvious? What if it's then, just a really close call? I mean, that's that happens all that the time. It shouldn't be. Then you can't tell anyways. So then it shouldn't be up. I don't think it should be up to the coaches. Like what? So you only have so like so many challenges and there could what if there's more things that are challengeable I don't know I again it should be, the refs should you have video review if it's that obvious but you can put it
1: this way they don't need to be reviewing every damn thing but no if it's they do it's important enough to a coach I think they should be able to challenge it and I would suggest they just go along the lines of the NFL where if you get your first challenge right you get another one and I mean maybe there's a max during a game um, what is it? The but what if NFL? they make if more mistakes, two, right?
2: Then, then the max. And there's another key moment, and they're like, "Oh no, you can't review. You don't have a challenge." When it's so obvious, that it needs to be overturned. Well, if it's
1: so, if it's so obvious, then you would have your challenge because you were right before. I mean, the bottom line but if is, if you weren't right, though. coaches were using their challenges yes. as timeouts. I would and agree. It yes. was, and it was. I mean, instead of having a 30 second timeout, it was basically a two minute video review challenge. For the exact same reason. Um, listen, the offside is still the dumbest. It is, is still the dumbest. But I, I'm I'm for more I, I mean, for the most part, they get it right and they get it quite quickly. Um, so I, I would I would have no issue, no issue with that. And if you wanted to expand some of the things like high sticking your own guy in the face and the other team getting a five minute major, they should be doing that. But I mean, I don't
2: know what the other option is. If it's not on the coaches, who's it on? Didn't they have like a – they can review it, right? What, what happened when they called the five-minute major on the weekend? They're like, oh, no, we can review this now. So, Well, that's what ref, – the referees do that themselves.
1: That's why they call the five-minute major. Yeah, so. You can't review it if it's a two-minute, but you can review it in uh, as a five, and we're seeing that a lot more right now, and I don't think anyone's complaining about it.
2: Yeah, well, I, I just think like if it's that obvious that a guy sticked a guy in the head, like, I don't know, what do you call icing? You can have the option – to, to review. They gave themselves the option review for five minutes. You can't give them an option to review for some other kind of penalty. I don't know. It's like, why don't they just like automatic, automatically well, review well, every is, puck over glass? Why don't like, you automatically re- review every touchdown well, wait in the a second. NFL? You just said you didn't want tons of reviews. Now we're reviewing well, every play? There, well, you're not going to have it stop the play, but like maybe there's a guy in the booth who's like, takes a look at it for two seconds and sees, oh yeah. And then if it's obvious, they like buzz down. It's never two seconds.
1: I, I don't know. Just make the call. And if you don't like it, challenge it. And let, like, like Chuck says, and I agree, I like the fact that there's a yes, penalty I like that. for an offside uh, for a wrong challenge. To me, those, like the puck over glass, are usually pretty cut and dry. I mean, I don't know why that would be different than Oh, no, don't else, you know sometimes it like nicks the
2: glass at the top or it goes off someone else's stick and you can't really tell unless you slow it down frame by frame?
1: that's possible. Sure. But I mean, that's not 99% of them.
2: Yeah. No, so I agree.
1: use the challenge. Uh, anyways, that'll be interesting to see what yeah. we get out yeah. of the, uh, out of the, um, a, uh, the co- NHL GM. It's
2: a couple more. We can talk. we Should later. be talking
1: about three point
2: games. Yeah, no, they're that not talking that about that. They're talking about the fights that take place after clean hits, which we all think is stupid. Um, they want to make a skate, Cut protective equipment on your wrists and legs mandatory. Guys keep getting cut. And um, they're looking into... They're talking about teams holding players out for trade-related reasons. Like, really dumb that, like, Jacob Chickren sat, like, two months because they couldn't decide if they wanted to trade him or not. That was, I don't know, seems unfair to the player. Well, they knew
1: that they were going to trade him, but what what they didn't want him to do is get hurt. Well, what took so long? I mean, I guess they were... Brokering a number of offers from a number of different teams, and ironically waited until they got way yeah. less than everyone expected they were going <laughs> to get. But... Didn't work out. <laughs> hey, they they <laughs> took their. Uh, they, hey, listen, if they get a great player with that Ottawa pick this year, we'll have a different we'll have a different yeah. feeling on whether it worked
2: out or. And not. then other comments, I guess Bill Dales act about asked about all the trades happening in the week before the deadline. Uh, I don't really know what he can say about that, but I think it's smart by the GMs maybe not to wait to the the deadline like when you do a school project like you hand handed oh, in early I thought right? the
1: deadline was way better this year than any year I can frankly remember because there was so much activity day after day after day like I know it's great for TSN to be able to pack everyone in for one day and have the f- trade deadline frenzy and you know it's a big deal but I mean the NHL at least for I think most hockey fans was far more interesting for two weeks leading up as opposed yes. to leaving everything done. And you get one trade, you mention it, and then you forget about it because you're right on to the next one because everything's happening on that last day.
2: Well, I'll say that the deadline day for us, it was still one of our most viewed shows on YouTube. So we had a lot of fun. So, I mean, I don't know what Bill Daly can do about this, but I guess he's asked to comment about it. This was in The Athletic. Final one, uh, the sale of the Senators. They received some bids for it. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully Ryan Reynolds' team wins.
1: Yeah, I think the they'll definitely want Ryan Reynolds' team to mm-hmm. win the bid. Um, obviously, someone's selling it, so I'm sure it will eventually go to the highest bidder, and they also want it to be uh, the highest possible price as well. Um, great stuff. Hey, got to give a big thanks to our friends at Nick and Nikki DQ for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, if you missed our anniversary show last week, Nick made an amazing WST cake for us. And uh, if you are having a party or an event coming up soon that you think would be uh, even better with the DQ ice cream or blizzard cake, put them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. They'll custom make the cake for you with whatever logo you need. And uh, you can pick it up quick and easy at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polar Park, and DQ St. Anne's. And while you're there... Jump on one of those uh, flamethrower burgers, maybe some honey barbecue chicken fingers, and you can always grab uh, maybe some dilly bars or buster bars to take home for the family as well. Big thanks to Nick and Nikki DQ for their support of WST. Uh, All right, Remo, final act of today's show is to thank everybody for entering in our AEW contest Uh, We closed it off right before the show when uh, it was scheduled, and uh, we spanned the wheel. And the winner of the tickets for AEW is Chris Vermette. Chris, thank you very much. We had uh, tons of regulars in there, but um, Chris, often in the chat as well. Congratulations to you. We'll uh, send you a message and uh, get you those tickets, and hopefully see you on Wednesday night. For AEW, Remo, I have to admit, from talking to a few friends, watching a little bit more of the AEW from last week, I am really fired up for this event on Wednesday. I think it's going to be an absolute
2: riot. Yeah, I think it's going to be a huge card, and uh, we had Don Callis here Friday. Make sure you check that interviewed on our our channel here, and we tweeted out the video of him saying, Kenny Omega is the greatest ever, and uh, just praising the winnipeg born talent so i think we got some smart wrestling fans here and they're going to be cheering on the winnipeg guys and i think it'll be a nice like homecoming uh for all of them so i'm looking forward to that event a wednesday
1: you bet oh and chris is in chat no way yes way chris thanks for entering thanks to everyone that went entered as well and uh i don't know we'll see what our plans are i know it is sort of an early start so i'm not sure whether we're going to do a little hookup beforehand but um Uh, Who knows, maybe even after. I know some of our regs are going to be there as well. But uh, myself, Remus, going to have a nice crew there. And uh, Chris, as I said, we'll uh, we'll be in touch and let you know how um, to get those tickets. And uh, hopefully see you there. Well, listen, we went OT because I was going at it with Hammer, but it was a lot of fun. And frankly, we got into Hammer way late because we had such a great conversation with Dave Poulin. If you popped in late, go back and check that out. Lots of good vibes coming out of the weekend after those two big wins for the Winnipeg Jets. Huge game tomorrow in Carolina. And then back to host the Boston Bruins on Wednesday afternoon. Um, Thanks so much to the sponsors that make this show happen every day. Big thanks to Jeff and Dave for uh, being such great guests and obviously a huge shout out to Michael Remus for making the show happen and obviously the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Tomorrow, another game day edition. Mike McIntyre will join us from Carolina. We'll set this up and expecting Andrew Harris on the show tomorrow as well, which should be a heck of a lot of fun. That's going to do it for us for an extended Monday show. We'll see you tomorrow live at 1 p.m. Tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk. Let them know how they can subscribe on YouTube and, and on the pod. Hit that thumbs up on your way out, and we'll catch you tomorrow afternoon to see if the Jets can go 3-0 on this road trip after winning the first two. Have a great one, everyone. Oh, my God! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go home!
0: Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily.